0: Welcome, everyone, to Davos' Fingers, episode 78, Seven Feet of Stubborn. I'm scadding with me, as always, is my buddy, Matt. Hello, hello, hello.
1: In this episode, we continue our coverage of the Sworn Sword novella by His Majesty George R.R. R. Martin. Uh, we're covering the second half of the story in this episode. It's And, of course, the Sworn Sword is the second in a trilogy of short stories centered around the characters Dunk and Egg. Uh, if you're reading along with us in the Night of the Seven Kingdoms publication that has all three novellas combined, it's uh, we're starting at page 176. That's right before Dunk and Egg meet with Lady Rowan in her audience chamber, and we're going until the end of the story.
0: That's right. Very exciting. It's a goodie. Yeah. It is the sworn sword. The sworn sword. Say. Mm-hmm. My favorite of the three. All right, we got some announcements. Uh, first up, Fire and Blood came out this week. What? Yay! Holy cow! Well, I guess it was technically last week when we we're recording, but uh, it's out there. People seem to be enjoying it. There's kind of comments all over the place about things. I don't know, Matt. You did get it on on uh, on Kindle, right? I... Have you uh, have you dove in yet? <laughs> I have been uh, partying with my family uh, over the holidays,
1: and which is no excuse because everyone else has as well, and prepping for this episode. So I have read a whopping two pages, I think. I'm sorry.
0: Oh, I've i done a little better than that. I'm about 100 pages in, or near enough, it makes no matter. Uh, yeah, I enjoy it. I, I commented on Facebook, or no, I think it was on Twitter, just that... It it's a constant exercise for me reading that book of, did I know that <laughs> already from World of Ice and Fire? Yeah, yeah, I'm I knew that. Sure, I read that somewhere. Did, wait, did yeah. I though? Yes, <laughs> I must have. No, not sure. So it's kind of it's a lot of repeat information. Frankly, is at least in the first hundred pages that I've noticed. Sure, um, stuff that we've already known, and and so much of it is a repeat that it's it's hard it's hard to even realize when something new is being slipped in there that's important huh. um but that might just be because my head isn't isn't great with historical details especially with the targaryens are concerned it's not it's not a huge interest area of mine targaryen yeah. like, history specifically so
1: well and i think that's an important point to make uh i had mentioned on the social meds that this one this 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 release wasn't as exciting for me I uh and it's not that I'm on that camp of George needs to be working on the winds of winter no no I'm fine I'm fine uh and I still love A Song of Ice and Fire and I'm still passionate about it but this one just uh didn't hasn't didn't capture my attention maybe as much as other things have so um but I love that we have new content out there Uh, I'm sure it's rich and fun and has a ton of good stuff uh I'm just taking a little longer to come around to it I think
0: yeah. Yeah, it's good. I like it. I don't mean to be down on it. Yeah, um, for sure. But, yeah. Uh, there the f- was
1: The fact that fake
0: history books can be written <laughs> is just amazing to me. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah. It's pretty weird. Um, there's that... I don't know if you've seen, like, on Facebook, there's, like, that meme going around every once in a while. It's got, like, my knowledge of... X history right and plug in X whatever fandom you're talking about uh-huh. and then compared to my knowledge of the real world and it's like this little <laughs> tiny book so true and uh, yeah I mean there are for sure people out there that know more about Targaryen and Westerosi history than know about history in the real world in their own country yeah and if, and if I finish this book I'll be close to being <laughs> yeah, one of those people uh, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's okay that's okay that's not I like history it's just you know I don't have tons of time to read up on it and remember it. And, you know, you only take history classes in high school. That yeah. was 20 years ago. You
1: know what? Time is short, though, buddy. You know, so read what interests you,
0: says Indeed. I. Indeed. Indeed. <sighs> so there was there was kind of that interesting tease right before it came out. Mm-hmm. That a few people, including myself, blew up about with, you know, it was, uh, I don't remember George's exact words, but. Hinting that perhaps Aegon the Conqueror knew about uh, about the threat way up north here know, before his conquest. Do you have the quote?
1: He says, "There's a lot of speculation that, in some sense, he Aegon the First saw what was coming three hundred years later, and wanted to unify the seven kingdoms to be better prepared um, for what he eventually saw coming from the north."
0: And the whole thing is wrapped up in those first few words. There is some speculation that. Yeah. Because I am far enough in Fire and Blood uh, to be past the Aegon stuff, and spoilers uh, abound here. Uh, If you haven't read that book, or care about these kinds of spoilers. uh, There's nothing in there furthering any sort of speculation like that, at least not that I saw. Um, Nothing tying Aegon to the north at all, uh, or... Any additional dreams or any additional information. So, you know, the speculation component he must have been referring to was from fans, which Elio warned us about later that same day when when George made that statement. But uh, that, that was a little bit of a disappointment. I was hoping to see something there mm-hmm. in the story about about that, but no, nothing.
1: And who knows? Maybe he'll uh, maybe you'll find something later on in the story of. Someone finding some old writings from Egon yep. or something like that.
0: I don't know. Totally could happen. Like I said, I'm hundred pages in. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know that.
1: Yeah. Uh, and there's people who have already put out book reviews on Fire and <laughs> Blood. Man, uh, one yeah. of our friends on Twitter, Adam, has already put one out. I didn't read it because I haven't read the book yet. But that's uh, yeah. just
0: amazing to me. See how fast people can turn it around. <laughs> Winds of Winter is going to be interesting when that comes out, how oh fast people turn around and, like, who's the first to get content out. And, like, I wonder if people are trying to race to do that or whether, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see.
1: Uh, spoiler alert, we will not we be will racing. We will not win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, anyway. All right. Um, Moving on. Let's
0: see. Should we announce uh, Films Get Fingered, Scatty? yeah we've been slow on the draw and the next films get fingered and we want to do Bohemian Rhapsody and then I got sick and schedules got in the way and uh, frankly I don't think either of us have seen it yet. Nope. Which is uh, I'm so angry at myself because I'm, yep. I'm a big Queen fan. They're a top five band for me. Um, so I'm I'm really upset at myself and I will get out to see it but I think I think the, the review time is kind of skated on that so we're going to move on to something else. We'll actually be letting our Patreon uh, supporters pick out of a couple movies uh those are the uh the upcoming aquaman film and the upcoming oh geez i I lost the name now what was it called Uh, (laughs) mortal engines right mortal engines yes mortal engines the the peter jackson produced a film about the future dystopian world where cities are on wheels and in the skies and stuff looks kind of cool anyway we're gonna let our patreons decide that one so that's coming up soon we're working on that and matt and i also have just kind of bounced around our next special episode ideas we won't share that here now but we're uh, we're thinking about it
1: yeah we're actually thinking ahead a tiny bit yes New thing for us, but uh, we might owe it to Peter Jackson to cover something of his after the demolishing of the Hobbit series that you did the last couple of days on Twitter.
0: So, oh, come on, it wasn't that bad,
1: <laughs> you could do a lot worse, <laughs> anyways. Uh, and Those then movies couldn't be much worse. Oof. Oof. I can't even. <laughs> Uh, so one final announcement, a quick plug for a new podcast that we've kind of come across recently. I, uh, was pointed to by one of our oldest blood writers, Austin. I think, Scad, correct me if I'm wrong. Austin might've been like the first blood rider that reached out to us when we started this podcast that we didn't know already. Like who wasn't already a friend that like said, he was one of them. I'm re- I'm he listening to your podcast sure. and I really like it. And, um, He's been great, and uh, he sent some of his friends over to me who uh, who have a podcast called Healthy with Holes, and they actually commissioned me to write the kind of their introduction song uh, to their podcast. So, if you listen to their podcast, you can see it there. And I listened to the podcast a little bit, just trying to learn a bit, little bit more about them. Again, they're called Healthy with Holes, and uh, they, as their Twitter bio says, mental health advocates. Uh, a podcast aimed at opening up conversation to help stop the stigma around mental health. Uh, So I thought it was fascinating, enlightening. Uh, Whether you feel you struggle with mental health uh, issues or not, I think it would be a valuable one. So uh, you can hear my little 25-second intro song, but then stay for the rest because it's much better than that.
0: That sounds great, man. I mean, I feel like like Healthy With Holes is all of us. Oh, yeah. We all got things, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We all got our things. All right. Moving on. Okay. Uh, getting into the podcast now. We are spoiler free until the end of the podcast for our specials. I dog was After Dark. We always warn you with a little jingle that Matt concocted. Um, and yeah, so listen to that if you don't want those kinds of spoilers. Although, to be honest, you know, what are we spoiling here? It's the end it's of the story. It's the end of the story. Yeah. So I don't know that there's a whole lot of spoilers. It's more just kind of theory drafting <laughs> and stuff. And supposing things in this section but yeah it's kind of kind of where we just kick off our shoes a little bit yeah yeah relax with a cigar and a a nice glass of port yeah i'll do either of those things uh me neither yeah but but hey uh
1: we love hearing from you guys we love hearing your ideas we love hearing your thoughts and uh, especially as we are kind of in this period of a little bit of uncertainty regarding you know when the winds of winter is going to come out and and we're bantering about ideas for what we're going to continue to do with the podcast we are going to continue to do the podcast obviously but what are we going to cover i can't believe we're already through two of the duncan egg novellas right scad so we uh, we love hearing different ideas and thoughts from the Calisar. if you want to reach out to us you can find us as always at davosfingers.com uh, our email address is we are davosfingers at gmail.com our twitter handle is at davosfingers you can find us on facebook and you can learn more about our patreon program and become a patron of davos fingers at patreon.com slash davos fingers
0: yes Oof. yeah and there there was a reasonable amount of anxiety around finishing Song of Ice and Fire or at least the the, the books that have been released from the Calasar about like what we're going to move on to next. Mm-hmm. And uh I haven't seen that yet this time. No no uh no banterings around asking like hey, what's next? Are you guys disappearing? Yeah. Um but uh yeah, interesting. Uh we've had some of that anxiety about choosing our next project, but uh, Yes, we have. More on that another time.
1: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. But let's stick with the present for now, and uh, we've got an episode to do, and we're excited about it. So, again, we are covering the second half of uh, The Swan Sword, and we've divided it up into four sections that we're going to read through. And the first section will be me, actually. I've been walking for a thousand miles, wasn't getting anywhere soon. One man die and another tell a lie, it all led me back to you. Dreams and schemes and on a bloodstreams, the things that'll carry us through. Well, I've been waiting on a dream these days, sure didn't think it'd be you. I've been living in a dream these days it wouldn't be the same without you. I've titled this section My Stupid Mouth and it has an intro from John Mayer playing now. My stupid mouth has got me in trouble. I said too much again the day don't to a date over dinner yesterday and I could see was Okay. Wow, that was really good. Yeah. Thanks, John, for joining us <laughs> in the studio today. All right. Alone and waiting for Lady Rowan to arrive. Oh, man, try saying Lady Rowan to arrive. That's... Alone and waiting for Lady Rowan to arrive. Egg warns Dunk not to drink the wine, alluding to the Red Widow's poisonous reputation. That fear is shortly quashed, however, when Septon Sefton... Uh, arrives ahead of the lady with a full flagon of Arbor Vintage that he drinks first himself. Uh, puts the two visitors at ease. Speaking of ease, Dunk perhaps wisely starts to get some dirt on Rowan while they wait for her, uh, with the Septon seeming all too pleased to oblige. Septon was actually her brother-in-law through her third husband, uh, and the lady who Dunk had mistook to be her earlier was actually sister to Rowan's fourth husband the husbands die yet their kin remain to drink my lady's wines and eat her sweet meats sefton quips he also reveals that rowan must wed again and soon you see when her father was on his deathbed he wanted her to marry the long inch just for the sake of security when she refused he put it in his will in his will that she must marry again before the second anniversary of his passing, or else Coldmoat would pass to his cousin, Wendell. This Wendell was married to the sister of Lord Rowan, liege lord of the land, so you know there's going to be pressure. They're not going to let this slide. So she's now, Rowan, only has until the next moon to shack up. But frankly, the pool of suitors has been a tad, well, shallow. Uh, her reputation, the intimidations of the Long Inch, etc., seem to keep the good suitors away. It's just then that Lady Rowan, the Red Widow, enters the audience chamber. Uh, there was a regality to her that belied her size, yet kind of an ease in her teasings and her smile, a smile that made him wish that she was plainer. I love that line so much. That, that's one of my favorite George R. R. Martin lines of all time. That is a song a lyric, one. a smile that made him wish that she was plainer. I want to write a song around that line. Uh, after some easy conversation, where Rowan reveals that the Long Inch was being a dick because he was intimidated by Dunk and his size, she invites Dunk to swear his sword to her instead of Eustace, where he would be much more respected and taken care of than at Standfast. Dunk remains firm in his loyalty to Sir Eustace, however, and Rowan doesn't push the issue any further. They move on to the less pleasant matters. Benisk cut old Woolmer's face almost to the bone, and Eustace's paltry monetary offering will not cover it. Only blood can pay for blood. When Dunk suggests that maybe they let Wolmer decide between money and blood, Rowan proudly declares that this is less about him and more about the lion and the spider. It is Benes I want and Benes I shall have. No one rides onto my lands, does harm to one of mine, and escapes to laugh about it. Now, Despite this bold declaration, she calms her tone a bit, saying that if Bennis will be delivered to her, she will slit his nose and that will be the end of it. But if she has to come and fetch him, she makes no such promise. Dunk agrees to pass this along to Eustace, but predicts that Eustace won't accept it. If she would just consent to take down the dam, all of this could be avoided. Nope. You see, cold moat supports 20 times more small folk than standfast. They need that water for crops, for livestock. Now, at this point, not even egg can keep quiet, belligerently declaring, BS, you were using that water for your frickin' moat. Well, we must be protected, is the Weber reply. When Dunk retorts that protection is not a good excuse for stealing someone else's water, Rowan drops... The bomb. I suppose Sir Eustace told you the stream was his, uh, having her maester present a parchment with the seal of the King of the Seven Kingdoms. Now Dunk can't read, but Egg, looking over his shoulder, soberly nods to Dunk, indicating the worst. The stream belongs to the Webbers by royal decree, but why? Eustace's sons died in service to the king. Why would he take their water? Well, he could have done worse. He could have killed Eustace. Uh, you see, the king that Eustace was referring to, the one he fought for in the Blackfire Rebellion, that was actually Damon Blackfire, the pretender. Whoops. Uh, Darren was merciful in only taking the stream, as well as Sir Eustace's daughter as a hostage. And this was, in fact, how Eustace's wife had died, committing suicide shortly after. She lost her sons, and now she, then she lost her daughter, and uh, she, she didn't want to go on anymore. Now, Dunk, at this news, is shook to his core. He'd sworn his sword to a traitor, but he soldiers on. Even if he was a rebel once, Dunk says, Sir Eustace still needs water. You better pray for rain then, the Red Widow replies, rising with the implication that their uh, negotiations are over. But Dunk has one final Hail Mary. If not for Eustace's sake, do it for the sake of his son Adam, who'd served as page and squire to, to Rowan's father. Ooh, at that, Rowan's face turns to stone as she bids Dunk come closer. When he obeys, she slaps him with all her strength. You dare appeal to me in Adam's name? Remove yourself from cold moat, sir, at once! Confused, Dunk tries to argue, but is helped along his way by the Septon, who quietly reveals that Adam and Rowan had had a thing back in the day. Uh, she was into him, she had never forgiven Sir Eustace for taking the boy to his death at the Redgrass Field. Tunk implores the Septon to beg her forgiveness, and Septon Sefton agrees to do so, with the warning that Eustace needs to deliver Bennis, and quickly, else it will go hard on him. And that's the end of the section. My stupid mouth.
0: You don't speak unless you know the shot. This is a, a line from uh, Glengarry Glen Ross. Oh. And uh, Dunk does not know what he's talking about. Yes. He brings up Adam. Mm-hmm. That is a risk. You do not speak unless you know what you're talking about. And, uh, you know, yeah, it earned him a fat lip. And, uh, you know, worse than that, Rowan's, I suppose, anger. ire. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think he did
1: in his first
0: uh, attempt at, at negotiation? Well, uh, you know, other than that moment, not not too bad, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I think he went in. He warned us in the last episode when we were talking about it. He warned us that that <laughs> you know it was not really his forte. And I think we could have guessed it wasn't really his forte, but yeah, he did pretty good. He notes in there somewhere that maybe the wine was making him bold enough to be good at it. <laughs> I've certainly seen that happen to people before, where you know they just kind of get relaxed a little bit after right. a couple drinks, and you know, it kind of they can they can calm down a little bit. But yeah, actually, I thought he did really well. Yeah, what I love about Dunk is,
1: and this sounds like a knock on him on him, which is it's not. He's not like perfect at any one thing. Right? He doesn't excel at any one thing. But he does better than expected a lot of the times. And uh he's he's got some talent that man. I I like how he's able to rise to an occasion.
0: I agree. Um you know there's a certain uh sports phrase out there, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, Who something said something that? something. Yeah. Um I think Michael Scott said that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. He was quoting the first one. quoting Wayne Gretzky. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. uh, but uh, you know, there's there's some there's a little bit of truth to that. There's there, there's a similar one where it's like you can't uh, what is it? Uh, you can't succeed unless you try, or you know, there's there's all sorts of axioms out there. You have to, or or what is it? Uh, half of half of succeeding is just showing up, or something. I mean, there's lots of those little phrases out there and dunk is willing to try uh-huh right eustace isn't willing to try bennis isn't willing to try dunk will give it the old go you know he'll, he'll give it a go let's do this yeah yeah he's willing to, to do his best he's a hero man and and for what it's worth i think i think lady Rowan sees that mm-hmm. right she can see he's you know he's red in the face he's nervous he's this you know big hulking guy doesn't seem to be too comfortable probably she didn't you know she's even teasing him a little bit about you know the girls and stuff but i think she can she can see he's doing his best and i think she gives him you know gives him a little leeway for that
1: yeah absolutely i, I even think that 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 kind of lends to her attempt at kind of trying to recruit him i Maybe. i don't yeah. i can't really tell if it was that was an attempt to weaken osgrey further or if she truly finds some value in his in his moxie right and not only his physical size and everything but uh but his loyalty and what he's willing to do but...
0: look i think she sees she sees potential in him she likes looking at him just you know to have him around his eye candy uh, I don't think she really feels Osgray is a threat. anymore, <laughs> So I don't think that's really a part of it. I think she just okay. sees value sure. in him.
1: Sure. Her POV
0: would be so fascinating. You know what? I'll take her POV like 30 years from now. That's the one I want. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get more into that later.
1: Oh, we will. Yeah. About 230 AC or beyond. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would
0: be more like 20 years later. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. We'll talk about that later, won't we? Yes. But in the end, the problem is, is they're never able in these negotiations to come to any common ground. They're, they're almost on completely different planes. Dunk is very much focused on the water. Rowan is very much focused on Bennis and the slight against her, her house. And that just, they just can't ever come together.
0: And God help them, they're not going to get anything done. Um. Well, uh, you know, they they seem like they're on diff- completely different planes because they are in completely different planes. They are operating from two different two truths entirely until that document is provided. Uh-huh. Right? So Dunk is focused on the water because he thinks that she's done a wrong first. Yep. She's focused on Bennis because she thinks Bennis has done a wrong first. She's right. I think as soon as, I think, I think as soon as Dunk sees that, he's like, oh, okay. Do it for Adam. What else can he do? Yeah. (laughs) Right. What else can
1: he do at that point?
0: Yeah. When he's on the right, when he's, when he's finally corrected to be on the right plane, I think he sees like, oh, this isn't about the water anymore. You know? Uh Like, I can't, I'll still do my best, but she's right. You know? Do it for Adam. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, someone please think of the children.
1: <laughs> oh man!
0: But it's a slight against her house, man. Venice, you mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, is this the is this the chapter where they're talking about the pissing? Yeah, it is, right? Yep. Yeah. So. Oh wait, no. Is it not? They do that. Yeah, you're right. That's later. That's later. <laughs> <laughs> Two conversations because That's it's my chapter summary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. So, uh, you know, I, I think she's yeah. She's been slighted. She can't. She can't stand for something like that, and mm-hmm. she's not wrong. So. She's not wrong, and Dunk's not wrong either. People got to have water. So, my. Uh, My favorite line of the chapter, you mentioned uh, one of yours that sounded like a song lyric. Mine is when Lady Rowan promises Dunk that if he came to serve there, he could have his fill of warm pink meat. No, you, you know what she's promising. Well, yeah. 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 So why are you making the throw-up sound? Well.
1: Nothing. Nothing. Nope. <laughs> nope.
0: Okay. Nope. Uh, blood but, for blood. Uh, good for him. Good for, good him. for him. Yep. Get it, Doug. Get it. Yeah. No, in turning it down, good for him. Uh, blood for Blood. You know, it's it's a weird thing. She talks about, uh, you know, the uh, the price of silver, you know, that he's offered, and how that, you know, that's no longer viable, right, on the blood price. Uh-huh. But then she demands blood for blood, which you know, blood for blood leaves the whole world bloodless, right? Uh, I like she she goes on about how this is like some archaic tradition, but blood for blood also seems. Archaic,
1: No? Yeah. Yeah. Dave Matthews has a line where he talks about the same thing that you just said. An eye for an eye just leads to a room full of blind men. Uh-huh. Um, and that's what's originally
0: it? close. That's the Bible, I think, originally, isn't it?
1: Uh, yeah. Well, it talks about, you know, taking the moat out of your own eye
0: before. And then Gandhi. I know is. Gandhi kind of appropriated that for himself, I think, too, at some point. Probably. Good on yeah. him. Yeah. Uh
1: but yeah, it all just comes back to, even if he delivered Venice to her, it's not going to change the thing with the water. It's just going to clear up the issue she
0: has with Venice. Yeah. Well, and, because there is no issue with the water. In her mind. It's her water. At all. In anyone's mind. There's no, I mean, uh, Eustace should understand as well. There is no issue with the water. She's doing them something that's completely allowed.
1: Yeah, but there isn't an issue. There's there is no is, issue. There is a moral issue in dunk's mind no that people no. deserve to have water
0: it's a moral issue
1: right or wrong they'll have less water right yeah and that's his yeah. issue it is there is a moral issue but uh, i suppose in his right. mind yeah And we'll I don't think that. I don't think Dunk is of the opinion that they need to take all the water from Coldmoat and make it direct it to Standfast. I think his he would be of the opinion of let's make this work for all of us some way.
0: Maybe what he keeps saying is take the dam down, right? is not really making it work for everyone.
1: But the but the water served both of them previously,
0: right before the dam. Yeah, but not enough. Like without the I mm-hmm. think the problem is with the dam, it, what dams doing. They talk in I think it was in the last book and we wisely avoided it, but it talks about how we've created all these it's created all these tributaries, right? Yep. to um, to feed their... to, to feed to their, their farms and stuff. The They're not getting the rain and everything. So her small folk need the extra water because the rains didn't come. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So yes, the stream did work for both of them before because they got enough rain to make the farms work without the stream. Yep. So you know, I I think I don't think I I think Lady Rowan hasn't done anything wrong here. Uh,
1: legally, yeah. And in her mind, she's protecting her small folk, just like Dunk's right. trying to stand up for his. So,
0: right now in our society, it'd be like, "Yo, we have an infrastructure problem. Everyone needs water, right?" But in their society, they don't have that crap. Yep. You know, they they've been talking already. The whole the whole opening there with Septon Sefton is a lot of it, just talking about how out of touch the king is with the realm. All these <laughs> things, you know, the Bracken Blackwood thing, um, you know, the raiding from the Iron Islands. Uh, there's all these things that are going on that the realm just doesn't really care about at the moment. And I think you're meant to draw from that. They're not going to care about this either, man. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not... This This is something that will also just um, escape the notice... Um, of the king. Br- Blackwoods and Brackens are bigger names than Osgray and Weber, right? And nobody's going to notice this. So nobody's going to care.
1: I'm glad you pulled that uh, conclusion from it as well. I, I sat and I thought for a few minutes because there's like a good almost page where Sefton is just like detailing what's going on in the kingdom, right? And I'm yeah. like, there's got to be more to this than just George yeah. world building. <laughs> and it, that's what it, I think it does is it puts this issue again into context
0: of the whole kingdom, you know? You know what it reminded me of? Uh, Wayne's World. Okay. When Chris Farley gives all that <laughs> exposition about, like, the schedule of Mr. Big or whatever. And uh, it like, means nothing. All that information. It seemed the the extraneous movie. at the time, right? It seemed like not it didn't matter, but really they ended up using it to solve the whole plot. <laughs> the whole plot. <laughs> and... And, yeah, it's like Septon Sept is just out here like Chris Farley, you know, uh-huh. giving all this information out. It's like, oh, clue in. They're yeah. giving you a big hint here. Yep.
1: This is how yeah. things were. And But that just goes to show it goes back to the whole idea that goes even back to the Hedge Knight of how Dunk really is the people's knight, right? Yeah. He could easily leave and go to Old Town. He could go join with either the Brackens or the Blackwoods. Everything Septon Sefton is telling Dunk here are like job opportunities for him, right?
0: Yeah. He could make some yeah, money some
1: leaving to go either of these. And any of these people would bring a big old knight like Dunk on in these perilous times. But he still chooses to stay, right? And even though... Or does he? Coming well, up. at this point in time, <laughs> he, yes. <laughs> he chooses to stay and uh, and go through with things and, and just reinforcing that idea that Dunk really is that people's champion um, that makes us just love him so freaking much. Yeah. I have no doubt in my mind that if Dunk and Bennis' roles were reversed, Dunk would have insisted on turning himself in. Right. Oh, for if sure. for some reason yeah. he had been the one to cut Wilmer's cheek, he would have fallen on that sword so fast for the other people, for those others. I but. agree. Yeah, I agree. Bennis is definitely the anti-dunk. I think he's set up to be that.
0: So can we we talk about his will for just a minute? Let's do it. So it's an ugly future for her house. Well, for her specifically, uh, you could argue about, you know, the house maybe is okay. It's a cousin getting it or whatever. Uh Certainly reading Fire and Blood, you know, (laughs) stuff gets transferred to cousins and stuff all the time, right? But, um, you know it's certainly not it's certainly not what she's looking looking for right to to have her her title stripped from her yep and further in that contract it doesn't only just deal with that it also deals with the fact that if Osgray dies without an heir, some of those actually I guess they don't really highlight that until the next section spoilers for the next section but uh you know it it's it's not a it's not a good picture for either of these houses, yep the current state of affairs yep right. And uh, you know, time is the time is ripe for something. Yeah, it goes back to that, uh, and we'll
1: come back to this at the end of the episode. But it goes back to the two people in the stuck in the cage together, right? That they came across yeah. at the beginning of the story. It's not looking good for either of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, and they're stuck, and they're kind of their fates are a little bit intertwined to yep. some degree. Mm-hmm. It's funny, you know. We talked, we spent a lot of last episode just talking about the. The nature of the story, how it's just zoomed way into this little kind of thing, uh-huh. right? And with this little scene, uh, you know, meeting with Septon Sefton, Sefton and, and later with Lady Rowan, uh, you zoom out a little bit. True. It's like, oh, that's true. There's a larger, there's a, lo- a little bit of a larger. You know, it's not realm huge, right? But it's more than just this little story of Dunk here. Uh-huh. There, there are consequences to this water stuff and all of these things that are bigger than we thought a little bit, right? And the will kind of outlines some of that.
1: Absolutely. Yep. All right. Uh, anything you want to cover in my stupid mouth? Uh,
0: yeah, I have something. Um, uh, so, yeah, just, just, I guess, I guess one thing. Um. It's mentioned, you know, the black, the 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 spring sickness is talked about again by Septon Sefton. Sefton um, four in ten died in King's Landing. Yeah, the Black Plague uh, in Europe killed r- roughly sixty percent of Europe. Um, it's kind of a similar-ish kind of thing. Uh huh. But but the Dornish uh, are just—they're wicked smart, Matt. They're, they're doing and just fine. They're a little like. They're a little cutthroat, you know, and a little... They play a little dirty, but they closed their ports completely and didn't allow anyone in.
1: Yeah, the Vale did the it's same like, thing.
0: Yeah, and the Vale did too. You're not coming in. And and I I, I talked, I think, last episode, maybe parallels between, like, history and Dunkin' Egg and what we might see in A Song of Ice and Fire, and, uh, you know, you see that here, right? Um, you know, in Fire and Blood, and certainly we knew this already from World of Ice and Fire, but it talks about the dornish and how you know they avoided the dragon rule for a while right by just kind of hiding and you know not playing the game and running away and not engaging and just kind of not allowing somebody else to dictate the narrative right and they do it again with this disease with the spring sickness and they're kind of doing it again in song of ice and fire right they're kind of they're they're kind of out of this whole conflict and the and the veil too a little bit, uh-huh. um, they're kind of out of the whole conflict, and it's worked out well for them in the past, and I gotta think it points to it working out well for them in the future. Just a little, little tiny, just kind of teaser of maybe what's coming in the *Song of Ice and Fire*. I know a lot of people have said, "Dude, Dorne's gonna burn. It's going down because they've played this game and they're gonna get caught and you know they're gonna get they're gonna get in trouble for it." But I don't know. Yeah, like why? I don't know, they're survivors. Yeah, they're like the cock—they're like the cockroach in the, you know, in the nuclear uh, wasteland. <laughs> it's worked for them. I don't see why it can't again. Yeah.
1: So, all right, that's all I had. want to move on? You betcha. So let's see. Uh, our next section. It's called The Wrong Side, with an intro from a little-known band called The French Kicks.
0: Away Thanks to The French Kicks for joining us in studio. Yeah. I didn't think we'd be able to get those guys. Uh, it was a tough reunion to get them all in the
1: same room together. They, there's a lot of squabbling among the band members, and but they agreed
0: to do it for us. Yeah, we're a really important podcast. Yep. Dunk still doesn't know what was on the paper that was shown to him, but on they go, because who wants to get slapped again, right? So, he had guessed enough in Lady Weber's presence to play along, but now that they're out on the road, he asks Egg for more information. As it stands, the Webers have rights to check a water to do with as they please, they can hunt Wattswood, and they have the right to cut 20 trees from Wattswood per year. However, if Eustace dies without an heir, all those privileges end. So in addition to all of the stuff about Lady Rowan, which, which uh, Sept and Stephanie gave away about Lady Rowan needing to marry herself, if Eustace dies without an heir, that also affects the Webbers. They lose all these privileges, the rights to the a water, which they've taken, uh, the ability to hunt Wattswood, and the ability to take trees from Wattswood as well. So that's interesting. It kind of ties their face together a little bit. Anyway, Dunk adds after hearing this, all they left him was a tower to die in. And his head, Egg counters. While his situation seems dire, it could have been worse. He could have just been killed, is what Egg's getting at. Dunk is conflicted because between loyalty to the man he's sworn to and the fact that this same man played him for a fool by letting him believe the stream was his. Anyway, they make the way mostly in silence through Wattswood until they reach Standfast past nightfall, when Egg questions out of the blue, My father sulks in Summerhall? Parodying one of the things Lady Rowan had said, uh, or sorry, that uh, Seven Sefton had said. Dunk agrees with the late, with with the Septon's assessment. Aegon's father sits at Summerhall, supposedly wroth at not being declared hand by the current king, Ares. Uh, Egg indicates that Maker should be wroth, as he should have been named as Hand instead of Bloodraven. He's the king's brother, after all, and the best military commander of the land, and Bloodraven's a bastard besides. And this conversation gets a little difficult. Aegon goes on to spew no end of hate towards bastards, how they are predisposed to treachery, that Aegon IV may have legitimized bastards his uh, his one thing, in, uh, Doing that is one thing in the eyes of the law, but in the eyes of the gods, they're still bastards and traitors at heart. Um, and in one of my favorite moments of the series, Dunk stops Egg in, tracks, Egg in his tracks and says, Egg, did you ever think I might be a bastard? You are not, Egg replies. Dunk thinks through his history how he never really knew either parent and assures Egg that most likely he is in fact squiring for a bastard. It grows quiet as they approach standfast, the moon high in the sky, and Bennis points to them to Eustace, who has stayed up in anticipation of their return. To the side of you give Lucas Inchfield pause, sir. Oh boy, (laughs) this isn't going to go well. Dunk relays the tale, Sir Eustace getting indignant when Dunk notes that she slapped him, but Dunk skips to the end. She wants Bennis, she isn't giving the water back, which she owns, and oh yeah, Dick, you rose with the black dragon! Eustace crumbles at this conceding that if Dunk wants to leave his service, he won't hold it against him. Sir Eustace cries in his cup about how easily the whole rebellion could have gone the other way. But Dunk suffers no fools, so he cuts to the chase. Things went how they went, and you were pardoned, so what gives here, man? Sir Eustace opines that the pardon let him keep his life, it's true. But it was a death sentence of sorts. He should have just died with his king or gone into exile with the others, as this life as it is is just fading to nothing. Why did you do it? asks Egg. Because Daemon was the better man. He was a fighter. Knights, great men flocked to him. He wasn't overly pious. He had an ancestral sword that every previous great Targaryen ruler had. Darren, on the other hand, was weak. Spent his time with maesters and septons and, ugh, Dornishmen. Daemon was the better man. Dunk elects to leave Sir Eustace's service in the morning. They sleep in the cellar overnight with the men. It's a restless sleep, but not so restless that he can't have a dream about romping in the woods with Rowan. This isn't your typical sex dream though. He runs to Rowan, but she feathers him with arrow after arrow as he struggles toward her. Eventually though he reaches her, pulling her braid and pulling her down with it on top of her, her naked body. And they she's down on top of it and they, they have a nice little kiss. But it's it's weird, man. It's a violent, weird sex dream. Anyway, he's awakened in the sounds of screaming with sounds of screaming confusion. What's going on? The sky! The sky is all they can get from old Sam Stoops. But it wasn't the sky at all. It was the wood. Watts' wood was engulfed in flame. The Red Widow had promised fire and sword. Here's the fire. End of chapter. So,
1: Section. the, uh... He, like, pulls her down on top of him or the other way around or whatever?
0: Yep, with the braid. Don't forget the braid. With the braid, never, never forget the braid.
1: But he's got all these arrows sticking out of him. <laughs> That's the weirdest part for me. <laughs> She's like, "Ow, ow, ow." Can we yeah, pull these I, out or break them off before
0: we do this. I imagine, yeah. you know, as dreams go, the arrows somehow disappear just when he f- actually reached her. Just fluff away. Yeah, they they, they just fluff fluff away. Yeah, and having obtained his goal, all his um, his goal being Rowan all his pain in the world left. The pains that took, he took while well, getting there to her. Yes. Were... All disappeared and were worth it. I don't know, man. It's a weird dream. I, do you get, you get anything out of it? Well, that's just the question that lingered in my mind. Well, um... Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, I th- I think uh, you know it could just be indicating that, um, you know, this is this is a this is in fact a dangerous woman. She means business, and she won't hesitate to, you know, take him take him down to do do her stuff do her thing. <laughs>
1: Thank you, Mister Goldblum. You're welcome. But uh, it, yeah, it goes to that her enchanting nature as well though and uh mm-hmm. and how if he can get through the barbs and the difficulties and the adversities there there might be something something there at the end a prize at the end uh not that she's a prize to be won but that maybe there's something there so i don't yeah know. It,
0: it, yeah maybe uh, and and you could you could kind of uh try to try to talk about the prize versus the struggle you know is a kiss you know worth that struggle is staying on with sir eustace and, and fighting through that struggle worth the prize i don't know yeah there's there's a lot of kind of things you could suppose i think but uh-huh. yeah I'm, I'm not really sure yeah i too
1: loved that line of, of most likely you're squiring for a bastard that was powerful yeah yeah. That was powerful. And it's times like these, time, chats like that that are so formative for Aegon the future king, right? Yeah. And they mm. are lessons that he would have never learned at court
0: or at Summerhall or in his normal yeah. upbringing. Yeah. This is uh you know, you have to be carefully taught until you're 6 or 7 or 8 and uh he was. Uh and and all the princes are taught certain things, and they're taught, in this case, that bastards are bad. Bad people, and we see it in Song of Ice and Fire too. You know, people have this stigma against against bastards, that uh-huh. the tree do. They're just born with this bad nature. And that is a lesson, you're right, that he would have been taught and maintained in his soul, it would have grown up with him, just like biases and bigotry do. And... It would have sat in his heart forever, probably. And a simple conversation with a man that he admires, that he calls friend, get, kind of undoes it in a moment. You get you get the sense that he's pensive and thinking yep. about it. It's like, oh, okay, well, I know he's right. not bad. And so, yeah, they aren't all bad, maybe. Now, he can still think Blood Raven's a dick. That's fine. But he, he now doesn't maybe believe that all bastards are Yeah,
1: he's not he's not necessarily equating, well, Blood Raven is a dick because he's a bastard. It could be yeah, he's for a dick because, because he's a dick. He's a dick because, <laughs> he's, a dick because he's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> for a number of other things. Yeah. And uh, and that's an important lesson to learn, right? It's yeah. yeah. Yep.
0: Um yeah. Used to sucks, dude. <coughs> I was just looking at this. On a very similar note. Sorry, sorry, got a little bit of a cough lingering. Catches me off guard sometimes. Uh, used to
1: sucks. He does. I get it. You're bummed out, dude. You've had a hard life, and and I can't imagine losing my whole family and stuff like he did. And, but it just bugs me to no end. It infuriates me. That he okay, wouldn't well, what, have manned up enough to go out and just talk to Rowan on his own.
0: Okay, it's that. It's that again. Okay. I was. I was just gonna ask what, which part you're responding to because he does. He says a lot of things in this chapter. Yes. Yeah, sure. Yep. A lot of it kind of, um, you know, not great. Um. But uh, the the part that the part that strikes me that, that caught me new, right? Because I knew about the water, right? And we knew he was lying and. That he wouldn't would, wouldn't go out for his people and have this discussion for his own personal hangups. We knew that, but the, one of the things that bothers me is just after he has this scene where he's talking about you know all the Blackfire stuff and um you know says you know he doesn't mind if he leaves his service and all this stuff. He gets angry and says and accuses Dunk of going to her service, uh-huh. going to serve Lady Rowan, which she did offer, as you noted. But he's such a bad loser. Yep. Just, come on, man. What an awful thing to accuse him of. You, you lied to him. Yeah. First. You can go if you want. You don't to play want. the moral yeah. high ground now. Uh. It reminded me a little bit of uh, of Sean Bean as Boromir. When uh, when he tries to steal the ring from Frodo. And Frodo's like, fuck that, I'm out of here. And he runs away. And Boromir's like, you're gonna go give the ring to Sauron. I see your true heart. Like, no, what? You're crazy yep. you're the one that's in the wrong here <laughs> uh, you're the one chasing him down yep yeah
1: yeah it's it's frustrating
0: yeah but you know I I, I did I did have uh, a little bit of pity for him and hearing him talk about the whole blackfire thing yeah and there were. Lots of people. I mean, I think Dunk says it. Nearly half the realm, you know, was was in support of the Blacks and um, the Black Dragon. And you know, the reasons are not they're not bad. Uh, you know, reading reading Fire and Blood, you see what a weak ruler can do. Uh-huh. Um, Aenis, uh was was Aegon's uh, first son and was very weak could could have been considered to be much much like uh Daron Daron the good that that you know was the alternative to Damon Blackfire and you can see that people fear having those weak rulers because that can that can kill a realm just as bad as a Megor the Cruel can it's killing and, the realm right now yeah and right with Ares. right yeah not you're right maybe that's a better comparison to make but uh but you know they're they're seeing this guy who was he was a hit at court he was you know everything you want in a prince he had black fire he was a better man let's support the better man right sure and so you know I you you feel for him a little bit a little but, bit yeah he bought into the propaganda
1: whether right or wrong about Damon. He looked good right he acted right and I call it propaganda simply because we're coming off you know the elections here in the United States and every other commercial on television was saying why one candidate was better than the other and the next commercial said why that same candidate was terrible and vote for theirs and all that crap and that's the thing that we talked about on our last episode right is that we just don't know if Damon would have been a better king and he looked good, uh, stood straight and proud, his stomach was flat, he could fight, he had the sword, um, he, he hung out with the right people. Those are all good things, but that doesn't necessarily make him a good king. On the other hand, Darren being spindly round of shoulder, he had a little belly that wobbled when he walked, I love that because I have it, um, <laughs> surrounding himself with maester septons and singers, women, dornishmen. Yeah, okay, but all those things don't necessarily make him make someone a bad king,
0: right? No, I, the opposite. I I I read those lists of qualities. I'm like, Darren sounds better to me. <laughs> <laughs> but surround it's, yourself but it's, with people in the arts and people in schools and with knowledge. <clears yeah, <clears <throat> that sounds better to me. But you can't you can't base the judgment
1: just on these characteristics alone. No, and, for sure. And and that's where he's kind of buying into this idea of Damon and, yeah you know you make your choice and in the end you know the the history written by the victors right
0: but it but it is a weird thing I mean yesterday or yesterday last episode when we talked about Damon and that feels all like the yesterday there was kind of like <clears throat> it does feel like yesterday well we got into the conversation about like sometimes it doesn't even read like he wanted it that uh-huh. badly right and he's just kind of like pushed into it by bitter steel and like okay I guess here I am, I'm I'm claiming it now. <laughs> and yet all these people believe in him so much and so so hard that they give away their entire uh-huh. lives. Right? And you know, Damon did too on that field, but you know, they're more bought into it almost than he is in putting up just as much yeah. at risk. And you know, they're so they're they're so in. Yep. You know? And again, I'll say it again.
1: History's written by the victors, right? Yes, absolutely. Maybe he would have been better. But yep. you know what? They lost. And so now they're traitors. Because yep. that's what happens if you lose. Yep.
0: And uh, I don't know. Yep. The sword was not the kingdom. It um, was a line. Uh-huh. Uh, Egg indicates that, you know... Blackfire was given to Damon because he was the one that could use it. You give a tool to someone that can use the tool, yep. right? Yeah. And uh, again, a parallel fire and blood. <clears throat> Anus also uh, gave Blackfire to Maegor, and uh, you know was kind of maybe a mistake. That's as well. true.
1: Yeah. Maegor, yeah, he's high up on that list of favorite kings in Westeros for sure.
0: So. <laughs> Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Another interesting concept is Darren's mercy made me smaller. Yeah. I liked that line. Uh, It's all in how you look at it, Eustace, and I get it, but you're still alive, man. Right?
0: Yeah. Would you rather be dead? It speaks to character to some degree. I mean, sometimes people suffer these types of injuries to their to their pride, and mm-hmm. they never recover. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think it's good to look down on people like that, but but you can certainly look up to the ones that, that kind of turn it around. That turn it and, around, uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Had a nice teaching moment with the uh, with the kids the other day. We were watching hockey as I had forced it upon my children, but it uh, ended up good. Do um, you remember it was earlier this year, there was a, a, a junior hockey team out of Humboldt, that got in a big bus crash and 16 of the kids on the team died.
0: I don't know. Uh, I, didn't
1: know. I didn't hear anything about that. It was big in the hockey world, obviously, but uh, junior teams are teams of teenagers from, you know, anywhere from 16 to 20 years old. And and this team lost 16 of its players and staff and coaches. Cool. It was a terrible tra- tragedy, terrible um, up in Canada. Uh, and you know as many as died there were also almost everyone else was very badly injured um, and we are talking about and at this hockey game that we were watching it was an avalanche game they had two of the boys who had played for the team and were in this accident and uh, they had broken their backs they they couldn't walk anymore and would not walk probably for the rest of their lives obviously something that could destroy you right they were promising uh up and coming careers as hockey players. And that was dashed in a moment. Um, but these boys, they had, they were in Denver because they were they had just played in this hockey tournament that very day or the day prior, uh, in sled hockey. So they had done all this work to rehabilitate to the point that they were back out on the ice as sled hockey players. Um, and, uh, I saw that just as we were prepping for this episode. Darren's mercy made me smaller. He felt that Eustace was was left to live, but now he was living a diminished life. And I compared it to those two boys, just teenagers, who had been a part of this terrible tragedy where they'd watched friends die around them, and they'd turned it around to to making something of it and turning it into a positive, like you said, the ones that reached past it and and did something. And uh, that's cool, man. It's really cool. And it was cool to talk to my kids about turning that tragedy into
0: something, something powerful and inspiring. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very powerful. You only got that, uh, that whole one life to live, you know? Yeah. And uh, you got to take your lumps when they come and, make the best out of what you've got and that's a hard lesson for people and it's one that i don't even you know i i'm speaking like like i'm some saint I, yeah you know i'm not yeah put uh, you know put me in a bus I crash
1: or watch my friends around me die and i break my back and see how i respond well, yeah
0: i don't respond to hardship well uh-huh. you know i'm more of a eustace than these sled hockey yep, kids yeah
1: you wonder am i going to be the, the sled hockey kid or am i going to be a eustace os one? When those lumps yeah. come, so.
0: Yeah, well, and, and age probably has some, some degree to do with it, too. Mm. Um, sure. you get old and, and done, you know, you have less, maybe. In front of you? Uh, yeah, less in front of you to, to make something happen, but, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. anything you got anything else with this section here? Uh Nope. I only really had just kind of the. We already kind of covered it, but uh, we were talking about the egg and how much he learns. But he also kind of uh, has a learning moment with the sulking component. Um, with just reflecting on. Because uh, Dunk says, he might. You sulk. <laughs> and he's like, I don't. Do I? And uh, just another little indicator, small one, just that eggs, you know, eggs a little different. He's willing to look at himself critically. Uh And uh, yeah, that's all.
1: They have such a great little relationship. They do. They tease each other with physical harm and just (laughs) boys being boys. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, next section. Should we move on? Sure. All right. We've got Nas in the house to introduce this next section. We've entitled "Hero." Take it away, Nasty Nas. Thank you, sir. Wow, what a get! Greatest hip-hop artist in history in my house.
0: Yeah, he left before I could ask him about about the get-down coming back.
1: Yeah, we'll see what we can do about that. All right. Boy, we had this fire that erupted in the last chapter, or in the last section, and we ended up not talking about it very much. Uh, (laughs) But the fire ended up burning all night. And uh, through it all, Dunk's suggestions uh, to either flee or turn himself in were as you can expect rebuffed by Bennis Brownstinch, who instead plotted revenge against the Webbers with Sir Eustace. The next day, smokily dawned uh, to Bennis drilling the recruits, with Eustace resolutely looking on while Duncan Egg prepared to depart having decided on trying their luck at Fair Isle. They're going to go there and see if they can get some work. Before leaving, Dunk reiterated the futility of Standfast's situation. If the Webbers attacked, Standfast's meager defenses uh, would be overcome and their small little force would be slaughtered. But you know what? Dunk is not going to let that happen. These innocent, unprepared men don't deserve to die for this, so drawing his sword, Dunk orders the men, Go home, all of you. When they hesitate, he gets more insistent, and it was as if some god had put the word in his mouth when he shouted, Go! They did not hesitate after that. Come back, Eustace orders. You do not have my leave. But they were gone. Turning on Dunk, Eustace demands to know what the Red Widow offers him. offered him to do such a thing. Nothing, Dunk assured him, who declares, Listen, I owe you some service still. I won't go slinking off with my tail between my legs. My sword is still here. What a turn of events from the last section. Anyways, one sword is not much, Eustace considers, but then he steals himself. Yes, yes. Better to go boldly than hide behind some walls. Better to die a lion than a rabbit. And he calls for his own armor. Look at Dunk being all inspirational. And so it went. Two knights, Eustace and Sir Duncan, with one squire, riding off to meet the forces of Coldmoat. Bennis was left behind to hold the tower and to take their story to Highgarden should Eustace fall. As they ride through the charred remains of Wattswood, Eustace reminds Duncan of the story he'd previously told about the little lion who slew Lancel Lannister. That's from our last episode. And he hints, Without the king there was no war. Nudge, nudge. In other words, kill Rowan if you get the chance. So they uh, they stop at the Cheke Water to wait for Rowan, who wasn't far in meeting them. She arrives, armored, and in the company of Septon Sefton, Maester Carrick, the Long Inch, a half a dozen knights, and their squires, plus a whole squad of crossbowmen. In all, 33 fighting men. But of course, never tell Dunk the Odds. Accusations fly from both sides. You started the fire. No, you started the fire. Q. WE DIDN'T START THE FIRE! fire. We
0: didn't start the fire. It was
1: the With both sides incredulously wondering why the other would accuse them when the wood was obviously as valuable as it was and the risk too high. <sighs> Never mind, Rowan finally declares. Produce Venice, or we will come take him ourselves. Nope, replies Eustace. You can't come on my property. Crossbows are drawn, threats hurled, blah, 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 blah. It's exhausting, this bickering. If you try to cross, Dunk finally proclaims, I will stop you. How? Rowan asks. Come closer and I'll tell you, Dunk replies. I want some sweet pink meat. Uh... And riding out into the middle of the stream, they parlay. Rowan apologizes, actually, for hitting him earlier, and promises, again, that if Bennis is delivered, she'll cut off his nose and it'll be over. It's not that easy, Dunk says, reminding her that the dam is still there. Water's needed at Standfast. Tear it down to make up for burning up the woods. That seems fair. But I didn't burn the wood, Rowan again affirms. This is getting nowhere, don't you see? How do you expect to stop us, she asks. At that, Dunk removes his gauntlet and produces a ring with a gold insignia onyx. Where did you get this, Rowan asks. From the toe of a boot, Dunk answers. If you kill Dunk and Eustace, the tail would get out, no matter how deep the graves are. And if Egg were to die too, oh boy... How long would a spider last against a dragon? Well, Rowan thinks about it for a minute, but decides that dragon or no, Rowan must have Bennis. If not, people will say the Red Widow has lost her bite. She reinforces how big part of being a lord, uh, at least in Westeros, is constantly being able to prove That you can piss farther, longer, and harder than the other lords. It's all just a show of power. And with her being a woman, she has to piss twice as hard as everyone else. If she even gives the appearance of weakening or softening, it's over for her. Okay, I get it, Dunk says, drawing his dagger. Uh, But instead of attacking her as she fears for a split second, he brings the knife to his own cheek, slashing it with a deep cut. There, he declares, cheek for a cheek, blood for blood. You're mad, Rowan says, but if you were better born, I'd marry you. Well, if pigs had wings and scales and breathed flame, they'd be as good as dragons, Dunk replies. And those pigs will breathe fire before he delivers Bennis to her. In that case, Rowan decides, I must assert my innocence, for burning the wood, before the eyes of God and men. Tell Sir Eustace that I demand an apology or a trial. The choice is his. And with that, she rides back to her men. Oh
0: my god, Matt, it's so frustrating. What's frustrating, Scad? (coughs) Well, he cuts his cheek open. To make good on the, on the, on the, uh... blood thing that she said. (laughs) Blood for blood. And now it's about the fire. (laughs) And the fact that she's been insulted. Oh. Come on. Come on, people. Pick a hill to die on. Come on. Yeah. Which is nuts. I mean, literally, literally this whole thing has been about, well, the water, which she took legally... But then the cut of the guy, right? Yeah. Just solve the cut of the guy and they're like, no no, the fire now. I was insulted. This isn't good enough. Yep. Yep. That's it, all she I talked mean, it, about before was
1: he cut him almost uh, to the bone. You see my guy? He's all slashed up.
0: Yeah. Alright, here. Nope. Yeah. It's moving the goalposts, man. Totally. And it's pretty frustrating. Yeah. But it you know, she explains it ahead of time. It's a pissing contest, and if she doesn't get an apology, then she'll look bad. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, Sir Eustace—he crossed the line. He didn't just accuse her of lighting the fire. He also brought up the dark arts and slaying her husbands, all that stuff. Those are things that are whispered around in private. Publicly throwing that in somebody's face is—you're um, not going to create friends.
1: Nope. It
0: doesn't work well in uh, in these types of situations either. Yeah. That scar though, man, I'm I'm more of a I like intellectuals, you know, Willis, you know. Uh yeah, you but do. Dunk Dunk's pretty hot right there. That will that will heal up awful cool, man. And probably looked yeah. way cool with like blood running down his cheek. Yeah. Yeah. Not probably the best thing to do right before a battle, but you know. You know. Whatever. Yeah.
1: The adrenaline'll help it not hurt. Yeah. But it's true let's see here what you got
0: well just staying on that conversation with uh, with Rowan and and Dunk she comments about Adam you know she she's sorry kind of for hitting him right yep um, and she says it was more than half my life ago and probably for a short time he I mean, was probably only a you know there for a few years yep <clears throat> max and uh you know but it's it's weird how memories of specific times in your life can kind of transcend their actual importance they they like carve a spot out in your brain and live there uh-huh even if you don't remember all of the details yep the the memory of the memory is strong enough that it has like intense value to you as as to like who you are uh-huh i totally feel that yeah. You have any of those? I have lots, actually. Yeah. These little
1: tiny moments with people that in many cases aren't even a part of my life anymore. Yeah. But came in for a bit and somehow left this like indelible mark on me yes. forever. And yeah, it's it's a strange phenomenon, right? And you wonder yes. how much of that is influenced kinda the choices I made later and who I am now. And yeah, it's interesting. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, you know, like
1: Rowan's never been able to quite, to quite let this go. It's kind of like she has moved on in a way she doesn't sit and pine for Adam anymore, but still it's kind of this protected part of her history. Right. And don't mess
0: with it. Yes. Yeah. It's something that helped her develop in a way uh-huh. It taught her what love was, perhaps. Sure. Right? Yeah. Even though she doesn't hardly remember the feeling, she knows that she did have it. Yeah.
1: Right? And so that can be and... like a baseline for her exactly. in the future. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do I feel just the her... same way about this person that I did about Adam? Okay. <clears throat> right. Then. Do you remember how you
0: felt about Adam? Not really. I just know it was this. It was, I called it, it that at the time. Yeah, it was powerful then. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it must have been. Uh-huh. Right? But it's over now. Must have been love, but it's over now.
1: Must have been good. What's the next but line? I but I lost, I lost it somehow?
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. You can't hold on to things. Uh, <clears throat> so. 33 trained men against the Osgrey Militia. That sounds sounds like a fair fight. Oh, they would have gotten smashed, huh? Even, yeah, totally smashed. And Dunk uh, also threatening to attack them if... <laughs> Even less of a fair fight against just poor Dunk. Oh, that's cute. the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. The, uh...
1: But, again, Dunk is the people's freaking knight. He puts himself in harm's way by sending away the villagers... And staying in their stead, you know? You contrast that with Bennis, who even when Dunk is urging him, urging him to go, he still refuses. He's like, sorry, I I don't care what happens to everyone else, but I'm staying. And then later, like, Bennis and Eustace are all making plans for how to get their revenge. We're like, yeah, we'll go sneak on their land and burn up their (laughs) mill and stuff (laughs) like that. (laughs) Which undoubtedly would have escalated matters even further. And probably would have meant the... Cold Moat coming and sacking Standfast's little villages. Like, yeah. It's just, it's it's so completely obvious
0: comparing Dunk and Bennis to each other that it's fun. Still fun. Although well, Eustace and Bennis are just two people that are so digged in, dug in, dug in, that they can't, there's no escape for them, right? They can't go anywhere. They have to just plow forward until, you know, death. Uh huh. It's, uh,. Yeah. uh Idiots. There's that little bit there where she, where Lady Rowan has her crossbowmen wind all their crossbows, click 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 click, and point them at at Dunk. It's uh, it's effective in the book because it's like one line of text, but in real life that would have taken like, that threat would have been like hold on, wait, wait, wait. now on. do you feel threatened? <laughs> She's
1: like, are you guys done now? Look at that, that's that's your yeah, threat. There you go. That's pretty funny. You shoot those at you, and like, we'll wind he, up some more.
0: Well, like he could have just, <clears throat> probably nobody would have second guessed him if he'd have just been like, the crossbowmen trained their their weapons on him. Instead of like talking about the winding and that they had to go like nobody would have called him on that if he'd have just written it that way and made it more more dramatic and immediate, right? No. But not George. No. He's gotta do it right. You gotta
1: wind that sucker up, man. You don't just yeah. point
0: a crossbow and shoot it. Yep.
1: Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, we can't ignore the ring thing, right? So we find no. out what was happening in the in the last in the first half of the sworn sword. When they were talking about the boot, right? Egg was yes. like, "Let let me get out my boot, and we'll solve problems." And we don't we aren't told what's in the boot. Here we find yeah. out that it's actually what appears to be a Targaryen ring, right?
0: That yes. obviously
1: signifies that uh, there's some clout behind Duncan Egg, and that uh, harming them or or maybe going against. Duncan egg in a way that could cause harm on them
0: would be a bad choice, right? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, but it, but but uh, you know, I, I was dumb last episode and I didn't even remember that they showed it to her in the end, but I was still right uh, that it doesn't change anything. Yeah, I put this I put this note on here, it's, so the ring thing really worked out, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, she's kind of like I'm still right. I'm like. <laughs> This doesn't change anything. Uh-huh.
1: Right? It could be said I mean, it, that that's what softened her to the point that she suggested a trial by battle. Um, yeah, but well, I'll maybe argue against that a little bit in Davos After Dark. Um, um, so I don't want to necessarily plant my flag in too deep on that. But, well, uh,
0: I mean, if, if she were cowering, she wouldn't have demanded the, the apology. Sure. She'd have just been like, okay, blood for blood, good, fine. Uh-huh. You know what? I don't want to piss anybody off. We're done here. Yeah. But she, you're right. I mean, she still demands the apology.
1: Uh-huh. Uh. And anyway. let's see. I'm trying to go back to it. He never really, like, says this is Prince Aegon,
0: right? No, no. No, he indicates that it's the boy.
1: Yeah. You took a great risk in showing me this ring, sir. So she obviously gets that he was, that this ring is serious business.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm trying to piece says, together how many actual dragon heirs there are at this point. Right. Um, but um, I feel like maybe she's just been able to put it together.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He says uh, Egg would go back where he comes from and tell what happened here. He's like, not if we, uh, we killed him. And he said, you wouldn't kill this boy. And then he talks about, like we mentioned, the spider versus the lion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but then she says, dragon or no, Ice must have Benis. Unless you cut your own cheek. <laughs> nope.
0: No. Spider can't lose her bite. Uh. Oh, Sir Eustace. A coward till the end. Stab her while she's not looking? Really? Really? That's where Sir Eustace wants Dunk to go with this? Murder? Yeah. Better. What did he say? Better to go as a lion than
1: a rabbit? Yes. Yeah, really? Really? And the thing is, if you're gonna kill Rowan, you've gotta kill the Long Inch too. Because if she falls, it's not gonna be this thing that he talked about with Lannister where the thing died. No Long Inch would go nuts. And no, I yeah. They would I, all
0: die. He would go nuts. Yeah. And the pat the castle would pass to Wendell, but it'd still be a Weber. The enmity would still be there. They would still come for him. It wouldn't do anything. It does nothing. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then his holy <laughs> vow not to cross the stream. Please yes. give me a break. Yeah. It it reminds me of uh of of uh my favorite and especially yours, Jamie Lannister, and his talk about honoring vows. So many vows, they make you swear and swear, right? No matter what you do, you're forsaking one vow or the other. And whereas Dunk honors his vows even when it's not convenient, uh Eustace uses his
0: vows to kind of hide behind, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do you take a vow to your small folk to protect them? I don't know if you do.
1: I think that's, well, it's part of being a knight, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But I I believe that's part of being a lord. I don't know the specific words you say, but I think it's part of the whole agreement is, you know, you help sustain us, sustain my family as your lords, and in return, we give you protection.
0: Right. Well, so he's at least indirectly forsaking that oath to keep this holy oath of not crossing of a not river. not crossing the river. <laughs> yeah. I will not. <laughs> because I can't.
1: Give me a break. Yeah. Psycho. Um, Man, I kind of want to get to the main event. Uh, I do want to yeah. talk about the fire, uh, who started it, but I suppose, you know, we could, like you mentioned at the top of the episode, we could talk about it now, but... We gotta have some meat for Davos after dark, right? So Sure. Maybe we save sure. it for then. Yep. Uh
0: do you wanna move on? Uh yeah, I don't have much else. Just I I guess I would just um you know, Dunk doing his part. You said it in your summary to relieve the plight of the small folk. Uh huh. Um you know. Just following that night vow and um you know, good dude. Yeah. Just doing his best to he was on... Sure. That was kind of a weird
1: transition for me. We don't see... The way it was written? Yeah, or? like, we don't see exactly... We don't see, like, his thought process. It was like he was on his way out the door with
0: Egg. Yep. And then all of a sudden he flips. He's like Nope. Yeah, no, so, well, two things happen. So, uh, first he had the dream. And so that's why I'm trying to tie the dream to it somehow. Okay, um, yep. You know, maybe, maybe it's supposed to represent... Maybe he's supposed to represent... The entire Osgray militia trying to get to you know, the entire Weber militia and just being dropped with arrows, right? But then the end doesn't the payoff doesn't really line up very well. And then the other thing that happens is the you know, the wood catches fire. And that could have just been a moment where he just sees the destruction of of this land and what would come next if they really push this issue. You know that he th- he thinks that she's done it at that point, and maybe he just sees that these people's lives are going to be utterly ruined. You know if if he brings them into this, right? Uh huh. So I think that's what happens. Yeah. He sees their he sees they're useless as you know soldiers, and he's that just seen... drives it home, right? And that drives it home
1: because he's still um, like even when they wake up in the morning. He's ready to head out. They've like packed all their things and stuff. And then all of a sudden he's like, nope, let them go, Bennis. Yeah. But yeah, so, I well. think that probably drove it home was just seeing them and that this wasn't going to end well. And He has to, yeah. he
0: owes it. Yeah, he has yeah. to do something. Yeah. I love that about him. Yeah. All right, moving on.
1: Yeah. So this next section is uh, the title of it's a little bit tongue in cheek, The Battle of Who Could Care Less, and here to sing it for us is uh, our friends ben Folds 5. Take it away, boys. Will you never rest? Find the battle of who could care less. Great performance. That's great, guys.
0: You're not allowed to fold 6. Or I would. (laughs) The stream would be their battleground. The Septon said a prayer, but what men choose to proactively do, prayer cannot help. So Dunk pleads one more time. I beg you, withdraw your accusation. But neither party yields. And the pissing contest continues, with the two biggest members you've ever seen. One inch shy of seven feet Dunk against the Long Inch, a man Dunk barely tops. And a man who declares before the battle to Lady Rowan... You will marry me when this mummer's farce is finished. So, lots on the line. The stream, the respect, the truth about the fire, Rowan's hand in marriage, to say nothing of the two men's lives themselves. Duncan instructs Egg to hurry back to Summerhall should he fall in battle, but Egg would prefer he didn't die. Duh. So, the battle. Inchfield comes to battle with, a beautiful, with beautiful black armor that covered him from head to toe, a wicked two-handed pole axe, and no shield and also a horse armored as well as Lucas himself. Dunk had thunder, his long sword, and the shield, Tanzel Too Tall, had painted for him. The horses wade into the water and the battle is on, Lucas trying to get to Dunk's right side to avoid Dunk's shield, and Dunk lashing out at weak points in the armor as Lucas has no way to block his blows. And so it continued like that, with Lucas raining down blow after blow on Dunk's shield, and Dunk sending swipe after swipe, scraping off the long-inch armor, until finally... Dunk, as Dunk lurches to try to drive his sword in Gurm favorite locale, the armpit, he overextends, and Lucas Inchfield catches him and Thunder a glancing blow. <laughs> Thunder has had enough and takes matters into his own uh, hooves. He strikes Lucas in the face and shoulder with his front hooves and crashes down on his horse, and they are now all a tangle and underwater. Dunk finds his feet, only to realize he has no sword, though his shield still hangs from his arm. Inchfield springs up right in front of him with Dunk's own sword and slashes at him repeatedly, hitting his shield, neck, elbow, and hip, and forcing Dunk to one knee. so Lucas splits his shield in half, and Dunk hears Egg somewhere in the distance, "Get him, sir, he's right there so Dunk launches himself at Lucas's waist, tackling him into the water and holding him there beneath him. He fumbles for his knife, finds it, and slides it slowly into the armpit of the long inch, twisting the blade as it goes into his foe Ooh. and Lucas goes limp, his inch perhaps no longer long. Dunk shoves off and floats river. Dunk next wakes up in a maester's tower, his body a wreck with too many injuries to mention. Maester Sarek at cold has been treating him as Lady Rowan would not let them take Dunk back to Standfast. Egg had pulled him from the river and sat in his room, all Catelyn-style, to protect him. Just now, though, he's at the wedding. The what now? Yeah, the wedding. Eustace and the Red Widow getting hitched. After Dunk took out the laundry, they reconciled. Eustace taking Rowan to see the blackberries to visit Adam. She wept, and they reminisced. And now they're married. Hey, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Dunk falls asleep as the rain patters on the roof. The next time we see him, and upon healing uh, enough, I guess, Dunk is eager to leave. So eager, he is trying to sneak out with little fanfare. But gossipy sept and sefton ain't really having it. Begging him to stay at least until it stops raining. Dunk makes his way to the stables, though. Intent on slipping away quickly. But is there she is waiting for him. The Lady Osgrey. Rowan. Who never once visited Dunk during his recovery. Egg lets slip Dunk's intended departure, and she means to stop him. First, she offers up a position as captain of the guards and proper training for Aegon. No... Okay, just stay until more recovered then. Sir Eustace is fond of you, just stay. No. So she tries making amends, offering Dunk a beautiful blood bay, a horse big enough for even Dunk, a horse bred for beauty and speed. No. She's too good a horse for me. So she tries explaining. She had to marry. He can't be angry with her about that. Take the horse. He must have something to remember her by. So he steals something he wants. A kiss. An awkward, forced, angry kiss. But it's hot then he takes something else her braid dunk and egg stop at the crossroads again the corpses still clutching each other in a macabre skeletal embrace they weigh their options south to summer hall and egg's father or north to the wall egg wants to see the wall so they're off and we are teased for a story we may never get of dunk at the wall and that's the end of the Sworn Sword.
1: The Sworn Sword has come to an end. Oh boy. <sighs> she gave me three.
0: She gave me three what?
1: You totally thought of that Lord of the Rings part where. Oh, Gimli, yeah. Gimli gets
0: <laughs> the hair. Yeah, I, I have a note you about that to too. Uh, it, the That braid is going to be annoying as fuck to lug around. Yeah, he cut off then... like the whole freaking braid? That's what it seems like. He could wear that as a belt. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Or a bandolier like wearing? Chewbacca. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this... I agree. I, I wrote the same note. He should have gone all Gimli style on that and just asked for like a you few. He's got like a couple. That's. Because this. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, literally. I mean, it, like, where is he going to put it? It's, it's kind of. Pack, I guess It's kind of creepy. Yeah. It's a little creepy. Maybe he just threw it away. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. No.
1: It I like creepy. The, I like Imagine the showing that to people. Yeah,
0: yeah. And they're like, uh what? Hey, you wanna see what I got? It's this long story about a
1: moat in a stream. You know uh House Weber? <laughs>
0: no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ever heard of cold moat? Uh uh-uh. <laughs> No. <laughs> well, well, there's this girl there. And, like, we made out, and I got her hair. All right.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, Oops, see you, you, later. Want to, you want to know, You want to know the... All right, well, we're on the braid, so I'll just give the word of the day first. Oh, okay. Yeah. Word of the day! Yeah! This is a stretch. Okay. You let, your, let your brain work on it. <sighs> Reprobration. Say that the making of a amen- Say- reparation. Reparation. <laughs> the making of amends for the wrong one has done by letting them cut your hair off with a dagger. <laughs> Repar- reparations with braid in the middle.
1: Yeah, yeah, I got Repubration.
0: it. Reparations. Yeah. You know what? All right, it's not my best. It's not your worst. All right. Well, no. Hey. hey.
1: <laughs> 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 I like it. I like it. That's clever. I. It's just hard to say. Yeah, I think that that's uh, something that should be adopted more often. You know, I take my wife off, and so I can, can your just hair? give her a bit of my hair, and we're good. You know.
0: So I'll just say this, because I don't know if George was meant to say this or not, but it rains in the end of this book. Ugh, heavily. Ugh. <laughs> This whole conflict would have ended. It would have just been done with. If they had just waited two days. <laughs> would just wait a bit. Right? I if, think that's... If Dunk had just been like, oh, yeah, that's strange, weird. Well, yeah, let's, let's just, give it a couple days. Let's just
1: see what happens. Maybe the water will come back.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I hate for this to be the message of this pod- podcast, but sometimes apathy really is the best way to go. Just give it a Problems minute. Problems sometimes just solve themselves. <laughs>
1: Moral of the story, don't rush
0: to fix something. Well, maybe. I don't know. I'm sure that's not what George wants to take from it, but <laughs> it was it was hard not to see. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he absolutely did that on purpose.
1: I guess. I'm sure there's... he did it on
0: purpose. I'm just, I'm sure. I hope that's not the message he wants us to take. No.
1: I'm sure there's some message in it on how, you know, despite the outcome, they all grew from this experience or some crap like that.
0: Oh. Very Grinch of you. Yeah. Yeah. So, people probably hate it. But, uh, I'm gonna go all, uh, you know, God of the Seven on this again. Okay. We know, in fact, that Rowan did not start the fire. But she did. Because Dunk won the fight.
1: According to the gods. How do we know in fact that she didn't start the fire?
0: Well, I I guess you can assume she's a liar, but she was surrounded by all of her ladies Uh in bed the night before. Uh And she's pretty adamant about not having done it. Mm -hmm. You're right. I suppose. Maybe she did. The gods say she did. Mm-hmm. So, what, so, what is, so what does she have to do now? Does she have to pay restitution for the wood? I guess it doesn't matter since I got married. Yeah, does the marriage just fix it all?
1: Yeah. One thing they got to do is they got to get to work because they got to get an
0: heir. True. True. Uh, we know that doesn't happen. We do. Right? Yep, we do. <laughs> yep, we do. <laughs> I, so, again, uh, I don't know what message that is. Uh-huh. It doesn't matter how hard you try. <laughs> it's going to go to shit anyway. <laughs> All I this is <laughs> just worthless. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we'll get more into the with, the with one of the next segments, but I don't know who takes cold moat after Eustace dies.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I suppose it stays with L- Lady Rowan, but anyway. Yeah. Hmm. Um so it's a beautiful four-page fight. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's it's, it's a gorgeous fight. Uh-huh. It just the terrain makes it so interesting.
1: Oh yeah, choosing to do and it in
0: water was was excellent. Just so different. Mm-hmm. Right? Like so cool. And yeah, cuz
1: it's clunky cuz water slows you down anyways and then they're on mm-hmm. horses and then they're in armor mm-hmm. and you know yep. looking for the weak spots and and all that yeah yeah and again very
0: uh very Rhaegar and triple b as well yeah shades yeah, right? of the trident sure yeah Although i always so, imagined that water was lower like kind of a, yeah, when i when i think of that i think of like those horses. knee deep yes like knee deep not like at their waist i mean those horses can barely move there
1: uh-huh right yeah, they're, it's like up to the horse's chests, I think it says, when Rowan and Dunk first ride out there.
0: Yeah, and maybe they went to a slightly shallower place or something. But, yeah, I mean, it's certainly a weird, weird place to do this battle. Uh-huh. But yeah. it works.
1: And, again, yeah. uh, oh, beautiful. Dunk, uh, <laughs> he relies on his strength to save him again. The The fact yep. that he can yep. just take more hits, kind of. Um, he doesn't need to be the better technical fighter. He just needs to survive long enough to find a
0: weakness and then and then exploit it. Kind of. Yeah, I mean he'll be he'll be screwed if he ever has to like fight in a war, right? <laughs> but this one on one stuff, yeah, yeah. it'll it could maybe continue to work out for him.
1: What is it that Fezzik says in the Princess Bride? You see, it's different fighting many people. Yeah Local yeah. Lo, Local gangs Fighting for charities That sort of thing <laughs> uh, Yeah Uh, Let's see So that That line was weird About the fish Swimming past his face Yes Long and white And slender know. And then he asks What's that What's that What's that He repeats it three times Um I thought that about happened. it. I got something. Oh, you got something? I think I got Great. something. It's it's nothing big, but uh, I think that was Egg reaching his Egg's arms reaching to pull him out. Oh, because oh yeah, it mentions it. at the end that Egg ran Egg out into the water to try to save him and stuff. And I, I think that's I call what BS it was. on that. By the way, <laughs> I mean Matt, you've got a nine year old boy. Uh, he, I don't think he actually did it. Do I think he tried? Yeah, he probably tried, but he probably needed some help to actually get him out of the water. Yeah. He,
0: no doubt. But I mean, like, even pulling him up, like... Yeah. That armor's heavy.
1: Big armor for on a big oh. man. Yeah. And Egg is not noted for his size.
0: No. 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 Maybe noted for his anyway. slight size. Whatever. We'll let it go.
1: Yeah. I, I, think, uh, but I, I think that's what it was. I wonder if
0: that was Egg's skinny little white arms. Yeah, that makes sense. I could see it. Uh, in which case, he, he really wasn't in there that long then. No. Just kind of a quick flash, right? Yeah, no, well. No.
1: Do you think Rowan really did all the things that she's rumored to have done? Or does it go back to the pissing contest of wanting to stay on top? Like, Did she allow the rumors of like her witchcraft and stuff to be perpetuated? Just so people would be afraid of her or
0: well I don't know that she has a whole lot of choice in stopping them but I sure rumors can hurt so yeah I don't I don't think she's that worried about them being spread it doesn't hurt her um, you know well it didn't hurt her now it's hurting her and finding a suitor uh-huh um, so you know it's maybe not it maybe wasn't the best choice to let them proliferate if she did right. 'Cause it's hurting now and the you know, the thing that really, really matters. The suitor search. Yeah. Which, you know, the long inch plays
1: a big part in that too. Well he does. And once guys get brilliant to brilliant from her. Yeah.
0: Brilliant from her on this fight, she wins either way. Yep. If Dunk wins, she's won the pissing or if Long Inch wins, she wins the pissing contest and gets her apology and looks good in front of everybody. Yep. If Dunk wins, she gets rid of this asshole that's basically got her a prisoner in her own castle. Yep. She's she's wicked smart. Yep. More on that maybe I later. It's the second time I've used wicked smart in this episode, yeah. and it's not something I normally say. What have you been watching? Have you been watching like Goodwill Nothing. Hunting I... or something? No, I should though. It's a good movie. It's a great movie.
1: It's a great movie. Uh I like how Dunk comes full circle with the compliments at the end of the book. He just kind of effortlessly rattles off that green becomes you, well, milady. It brings out the color of your eyes.
0: Yeah. Boom! Nailed it. Nailed it. Perfect compliment. Yeah. Uh... She's she's just she's special. I mean, the you must be large all over. Oh yeah. Come on, George. Your
1: loins were just just stirring, weren't you? You were just, those loins of scad were just stirring up a storm.
0: All right, well, let's not make it filthy. Yeah, (laughs) it was a
1: good line. Okay, pink meat boy,
0: yeah. She's, she's, I mean, she's clearly coming on to him. Absolutely. That's not the kind of thing you say. She's so into him. Nobody says that. Imagine some woman coming up to you. And and just commenting about how you must be large all over. I don't. Come on. I don't have There's to no imagine. There's no other it, way to read It happens that. all the time. <laughs> False. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it does not happen.
0: Pretty uh, I'm pretty lucky about uh, having Mace or Sarek be from the Iron Islands, huh?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think we've talked about it before on the podcast of... This is less about magic and more about CPR. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, more about the, so. yeah, less about the drowned god intervening and more about just knowing how to revive someone. <laughs> Absolutely. Get the water out of them. Yeah, that is cool, though.
0: Little Iron Islands what, uh... magic there. Do you think we'll ever get uh, the story of Egg, or of Dunk, and Egg, I suppose, hunting down Benis? I sure hope so. That would be awesome. Which I left out of the summary. Oh.
1: Well, why don't you but, fill us uh, in?
0: Benis bolted with every single valuable thing he could find in Stand Fast. It wasn't much. And robbed him blind. Yeah. No, it wasn't much, but it's, you know king's ransom for a dude yep. like bennis he's gonna live for a again year
1: going back to the Benis being the anti-dunk right that not only are these men riding out to protect him in some way and stand between him and getting his nose tweaked yep but uh yeah. He's, he's just gonna take a dump all over that. A big Venice brown yeah. stench dump
0: all over it. All over them. Yep. Although, you know what? Yep, I'm gonna do it. Devil's advocate. Oh boy. You ready? Buckle up, everybody. I don't have anything written down, so this is all just kinda you know, freewheeling here, but Okay. If Bennis felt lied to as well by Sir Eustace He could use that excuse. And if he believes that Dunk's going to go to this stream and get killed, right, then he might feel that, yeah, he's owed this. He was put in this situation because Sir Eustace lied to him. Now, I'm not sure I believe that, because they went investigating without even talking to Sir Eustace the first time when he cut the guy open.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: But, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to fight it anymore. <laughs> Dennis is a dick. I don't think he thought all the way through like that, that he was lied to or yeah. put, owed something. Yeah. He's just a thief.
1: I think he, he definitely could have thought, there's no way they're coming back from this. Yeah. Yeah. But instead of just I'm leaving, like oh, Sam Stoops, you've lived here your whole
0: life or whatever. Yeah. You deserve it. Yeah, he did. Now. He tied them up too, didn't he? Yeah. He's like, he was not super nice to them. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, he's alright. I won't <coughs> defend him. No more devil's advocate. Yeah. But, um, we talked
1: about the corpses in the in the cage and I liked the word choice that Gurm used at the end. He's he said the corpse is still embraced. Yep. And I think that I've danced around who I think those corpses kind of represent in the end, and I think they represent Rowan and and Eustace. And uh, they're still in the cage. Their they're, their struggle is still intertwined. Um, they're stuck together in the struggle. But this time it's in an embrace. It's mutually beneficial. Where mm-hmm. before it talked about how one had started trying to eat the other and stuff. Now we've kind of changed that language a little bit. But... They're also dead, though. So that sucks. And that's... kind of the sad part of all of this right is that for all the talk about how you know how insignificant it is to the realm but how significant it is for dunk and the people around him in the end this is one event that doesn't seem to uh
0: what's the word i'm having any effect on anybody yeah sometimes it's, it's the- a
1: small event this the pearls are stringed and it leads to this big event right it ends up changing mm-hmm. the world not
0: today guys <laughs> yeah i mean in the end you're going to end up with <coughs> sir eustace dead without an heir. yep lady rowan likely still in control of Coldmoat. Stanfast reverts to the crown but do they even notice because it's such a measly piece of land they even care yeah who even sure'll give it to somebody yeah. but but it should be noted that uh standfast is still listed uh on the wiki as being like an active landed knight in the reach so like they, yes. maybe it just needs to be updated or something but it's still it's still there somebody thinks that there's a family there maybe it was given to somebody oh, sorry I said standfast I meant osgrey
1: uh-huh
0: Osgraves of Stanfast still listed as landed knights,
1: but I don't know who that would be. I don't.
0: I don't know either. Maybe it just needs. Maybe they just need an update or something. Hmm. But interesting. Yeah, I don't know who it would be either. Hmm. Some sort of distant relative. I mean, we don't. The the, the will talks about having an heir from his body. Mm-hmm. They don't have one of those, but maybe there is some distant relative somewhere else. Because there was another group of Osgrays. Maybe they gave it to them or something.
1: Yep. Or maybe they were just like, hey, I heard Eustace died. Let's go move into his place. <laughs> no one even noticed, you know. <laughs>
0: I am his son.
1: <laughs> Believe it. All right. Shall we, uh, should we move on? You uh, else? No, I do not. I do not think so anyways. So let's move into Davos After Dark where we'll talk about a few different things, including some more stuff on Rowan Weber and some other exciting things. So, um, you know what, usually what we normally say, right, Skad, is, you know, if you don't want to be spoiled, then turn this off. Uh, But I guess I'll give a softer intro this time, because we're at the end of this story, and the following Duncan Egg novella has nothing to do with this one um so where we're at is really where we're at we'll spend this time to kind of speculate and theorize and maybe go into greater detail about some of the mysteries that are left over from this story uh so if for some reason that doesn't appeal to you or you think you might be spoiled in a way you don't want to be spoiled uh then by all means take the safe route and don't listen but uh if you are interested in in what we're about to chat about please stick around including Who's that lion, right? Yes. 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 Who's that lion?
0: All right, let's do it. It's go time.
1: Davos After Dark. Davos After Dark. So, as you mentioned, Scad, we're changing it up a little bit. Uh, Normally, our segment in these Dunkin' Egg novellas is called Who's That Dragon? But there's not a lot of dragons to talk about in this episode. We could talk about Ares the first, but we kind of already did last episode. We could talk a little bit about Blood Raven, but that's probably better for the mystery night. So we switched it up a little bit, and we're going to do Who's That Lion? And we're going to talk about Rowan Webber, where she came from and uh, where she went after this story so just a quick recap of who she was it looks like she was born in about and i don't know who figured out this date but she was born in a a, well no we could figure it out from the dates her age that she gives us in this book Uh, but someone else already did the work for us she was born in 185 or 186 Uh, leading up to the sworn sword she'd been married four times One, when they were both pretty young, that husband died at Redgrass Field. The second was an old dude. He died of a pox. She had one son with him who died days after being born. She married a third time to one Simon Staunton who died choking on a chicken bone. And then her fourth marriage was to Roland Uffering who died in the Great Spring Sickness. Now, between husband three or four, we don't really know which one. She had another child, a daughter, who died before her first birthday. Uh, Of course, she married Sir Eustace. And we don't know how long she ended up being married to him, right? No, no, I don't think we know at all. So she, sometime after two eleven, which is when the events of this story occur, she does end up marrying Gerald Lannister. Um, who is mentioned in the story, right? Uh, as he one was... of the potential suitors.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's weird. He was a suitor. Um, but, you know, didn't pursue enough, uh, I guess, you know, and then of course she married, uh, she married Sir Eustace and then he comes back later, um, and, and comes back for her, but, yeah. uh, yeah, I don't think we have a date. I'm looking now to see if there's anything that I can find here on I when they actually married, but I don't think we have it. I can't find it either.
1: I couldn't find it either. We know when, uh, we don't even really know exactly when the kids were born and, and that wouldn't give us an exact date anyways Yeah. but anyways uh, she does go on to marry Gerald Lannister who she believed would never marry her before because he would never forsake Lannisport and Casterly Rock. <laughs> Gerald was second in line to inherit uh, Casterly Rock and he ended up inheriting it so she was the lady Rowan ended up being the lady of Casterly Rock. She had four sons Tidos, uh, number three of the sons, ended up being Tywin Lannister's dad. Meaning that, yes, ladies and gentlemen, Rowan Weber was Tywin Lannister's grandmother. Crazy how so that I, all, all works, huh?
0: Yeah. Uh, echoing back to the timing. So we <clears throat> there is a note about Tywald Lannister, who was her first child yes. uh, with Gerald, Born between 2.11 and 2.19. So, yeah. <clears throat> now this story takes place in 211, so yes. that would assume that Sir Eustace died like you know immediately or close, uh-huh. and Gerald swooped in also immediately. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean there's a, a big window there where that where that marriage could have happened between Roman yeah. and Gerald. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. But when you look at the
1: birth dates of the kids, those are pretty vague as well. So yeah, yeah. Um, and that's where things get interesting is that uh in 230 shortly after the birth of her fourth son lady rowan disappears yeah mysteriously and yeah. we have no record of where she went or what happened or anything
0: yeah yeah and before that it's 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 weird i think um i mean so, Gerald Lannister was a suitor. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, but but Rowan notes in in the Sworn Sword that he would much rather stay at Castle Rock, where he has a lot of influence as his brother's right hand man, basically, than come to Coldmoat, right, the, where there's you know little to no influence on the realm. Yep. Yeah. But shortly um, after this story occurs, or kind of right during this story occurring, kind of right in a similar timeline, Sir Gerald's brother dies. Yep, Tybalt dies. And under somewhat dubious circumstances as well, and his uh, daughter, so Gerald's niece, succeeded him, but was, you know, three years old, and also died with him. She dies too, yeah. Somewhat unexpectedly, she seemed healthy, and all of a sudden she's dead. So Sir Gerald kind of whispered that, you know, maybe he had something to do with these deaths to gain power. Interesting that Lady Rowan also suspected of foul play with her family, right? So they're kind of... They're both kind of these figures that have been accused of this foul play. Like, was Sir Gerald interested in her because she was interested? Is she Like, she was accused of these things? Like, oh, a soulmate. She can help me plan this, or something. Was she... You know, was he he thinking they could get along that way? Um, It's a little interesting. Also interesting, Gerald was wed previously to a woman that didn't give him an heir, Mm -hmm. right? And was then purposefully seeking out Rowan, who was notorious for not giving heirs that lived. So it's a weird choice for him to go after her. Yeah, was he really
1: taken with her? It says that he had written her all these letters and stuff with, yeah. all that with that, and yeah, it's weird to think about. Is there something dastardly going on underneath the surface, or is he just crushing on her? I
0: don't know. Yeah, I mean, we don't know a lot about about Jerry, <clears throat> but it sounds—I don't know—the conspiracy theorist in me wants to believe that he's dirty, he's fishy, he's, yeah. Yeah, and then you know, and then Lady Rowan disappearing as well after their final son Jason was born in two thirty 230 or two thirty one. Two thirty, yeah. Again, just very dubious circumstances. Sure, Gerald's still around, but this happens over and over and over With again. With four
1: heirs, by the way.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Conveniently. Right. right. So
0: does she?
1: And that adds to the mystery of what happens to Coldmoat. Yes. Because even if she moves away. Coldmoat is still hers right at that point you'd leave like a castellan in charge or something like or that or his
0: or gerald's right i don't know how does that work does he does gerald now get it and do, do those sons her sons would now get it so would they become but those are lannister boys not weber boys i believe so her Cold sons
1: M- stand to inherit it then
0: right so so then Coldmoat would be basically lannister held now right in theory so so maybe that's what Weber is talking about
1: yep of lands that that's what I was thinking too lands that he felt were his
0: yeah those should be ours those are Weber lands not Lannister lands yeah like maybe that's what he's referring to I mean he could be Weber the Weber we're talking about is the the Weber in the uh, uh, which company is it is it the uh That's the one, it's the one Quentin's in, right? The Windblown? Yep. Windblown. So Webber's from the Windblown and talks about having these lands that have been taken from him. So everyone's assumed Webber. Oh, okay. He's a Webber from Rowan Webber's family. He could be a cousin. He could be one of, you know, this cousin's sons or whatever. He could be some distant relative. Uh, and just thinking, oh, that shouldn't be with Lannisters. That should be, you know, it should be Weber lands or something.
1: Yeah, he could be a descendant of this Wendell Weber, You're right. Right,
0: exactly. The cousin. Yeah, who felt
1: that he was cheated.
0: Yeah. But again, I think that same list where I was talking about uh, the Osgrave still being listed as uh, at the end of A Song of Ice and Fire as being know, Lords, the Webbers are also on that list.
1: Yeah, they very well could have survived through Wendell. I
0: don't know. Interesting. I mean, the... <clears throat> the really fun path would be more like. Lady Rowan disappeared, and went to Essos, and had, you know, more issue, right? That she, married somebody else and had another kid or something. And it's
1: this Weber guy who's in the windlock
0: Well, it couldn't be Weber; I mean, he'd be like sixty something. Well,
1: I mean, it would come from, It'd come from, from her. That. yeah, yes, grandma. That's
0: like great grandma, something. Like the that. more fun distance story, right? right? Um. But, uh, you know, I don't know. That's just, I mean, even for that to happen, it should have had to have been 45 or so to uh, to have a child when she yep. emerged in Essos at like 2.30. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's not the easiest of circumstances to have kids when you're that old, but it can happen. It
1: can happen, yep. All right. I put on my tinfoil hat, sked All right. For Rowan. This is ridiculous, but I'm going to bring it up for fun. I'm excited. You ready for this? Yeah. Lady Rowan as Old Nan. Whoa. 233 is when Dunk visits Winterfell. Oh, wow. What if Dunk, what if the slender girl on her toes kissing a knight as tall as Hodor was Lady Rowan? There is absolutely nothing that proves this theory.
0: <laughs> Forget proving. Is there anything that, like, lends any evidence at all? No, no. Other than that, we
1: don't know a lot about Nan. Um, she came to Winterfell to nurse a Brandon Stark who is presumed, according to Bran, to be a brother of Lord Rickard. Um and Rickard himself was born in two thirty. Um, she is said fits. she is said to have had sons and daughters, but it never says who she was married to, her husband was, or anything like that. Um, that works. So why does this why does this theory even kind of partially intrigue me? We do know that Hodor is 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 uh, a descendant, right, of descendant, of yeah. old Nan. Um, he's giant, and he's a he's a big boy. Yep. Uh, we do we, we have got Bran's dream that I just mentioned—a slender girl on her toes kissing a knight as tall as Hodor. It's often believed that that knight could have been Duncan when he visited Winterfell in two thirty-three. Yep, but it Don't also same thing about her hair it, in that scene. And that's where this kind of falls apart a little bit is the woman Bran sees has brown hair. Rowan's hair was red. Um, could have colored dye hair colored it like Sansa to disguise her identity she doesn't want people to find out she's Rowan Weber yeah maybe is it a reach yes another big reach is the age old if this were true old Nan in A Song of Ice and Fire proper would be close to 115 years old which we know isn't out of the question Amon's very old Bran calls her the oldest he thinks she's the oldest person in Westeros. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Little Brandy Bran. Um. Yep. But uh that's kind of a stretch.
0: It's fun. It's a stretch. Uh you know, it's kind of a nice it's kind of a nice thought. But it would be it would be um, kind of cool, right? If they somehow got the how old how old is Hodor supposed to be? We don't know. We know that
1: she is Hodor's great grandmother. Hmm but I don't think we know an age on old Hodor. We could have a quick Definitely
0: peek. Pretty young for that actually, but great
1: grandmother. Mm. Yeah. not seeing a birth on birth date on here. <clears throat> um, That's interesting though. That's fun. It's fun, I, right? Like, Yeah, it's fun. Well, then I, she, I mean, then I just, then I just dove clear down the hole. It says she's, oh, cool. she said to have had sons and daughters. Um, her sons died in wars. Uh, her daughters moved away. They, they married and moved away and had their own lives and since died and everything. What if one of those daughters made her way down to a little island called Tarth and married someone there?
0: Yeah. What if? What the F if? What if? <laughs> what if one of them made their way to King's Landing? And married eight. I don't know. (laughs) So, um, and then another
1: made it to the Westerlands or whatever, and Gregor Clegane, I don't know. (laughs) There's only one tall person in the kingdom. (laughs) And he is responsible for every single tall person (laughs) who's now in Westeros. Uh, I, I, you know, it's total tinfoil, but it kind of just a thought that came to me today, actually, while I was eating lunch and studying up on this and, that would be fun to throw your way.
0: but It does... No, it's fun to think about. It does dovetail with, with one of the other thoughts that we had to talk about in in Dallas After Dark, which is... I don't know if we're moving away from Rowan at this Let's point. Let's do it, yeah. But... Uh, you know, will we ever get the dunk-at-the-wall story? Oh, I'd love to. And if, if we do, this would, for sure, I would think, answer your question about mm-hmm. Rowan as Nan. Mm-hmm. Uh... But, uh, I don't know, I just put some numbers down. I, I I hate to do the whole George's, you know, how old and everything. But, you know, he's 70. Yeah. If we figure Wins is coming in the next two years, you know, four years from now we get Fire and Blood 2 or something. Maybe that will come earlier than that, I don't know. You got a Dunk story at the wall maybe six years from now. Some other short story that he likes to write. Dreams of Spring, 10 years from now. Oh, boy. I know that's hard to hear, but that's really about what we're it's on pace for. the reality. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe we get, maybe after Dream of Spring, we get the Dunk Bennis revenge story. <laughs> oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure I'd rather have something else. But, uh, you know. Dunk at the wall. I think it. I think it's the next one on the list, isn't it? I would love to just get that whole, not
1: just dunk at the wall, but that whole thing of escorting Bloodraven up there is just so fascinating yeah. to me. And the Raven's Teeth. Yep. Then I would love to get the story of Bloodraven's kind of rise to power in the Night's Watch and him, yep. you know, leaving. And
0: well, I don't think you will get all. Why he left?
1: I know. I know. It would have to be something that came out. Maybe it'll be explained in "When Dream of Spring" or something like that. But yeah, maybe,
0: (sighs) maybe. So cool. So cool. Anyway, uh, the point is, there's still tons of content we'd like to read. I don't know that George has it in him to do all the stuff I listed, but (laughs) I don't know. I'm 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 mixed between, hey, will you give other people rights to write your world or not? 'Cause I want to read more in the world, but also would it ruin it, you know?
1: Yeah. I don't know.
0: I know you're big on the it doesn't ruin what's already out there thing, but Maybe you should do it. Uh no. I do not have the talents nor time nor ability. I would nor... I would trust you. I'm glad you would I would trust you with Gurm's world. Wow. Yeah. That's trust that is completely unwarranted.
1: <laughs> Maybe, but <laughs> uh, so, who do you think started the forest fire? I, nature. This is so fascinating to me, this forest fire thing. I I thought about it way more than I needed to. Okay, let's hear it. I didn't think about it at all.
0: Hey, you went with nature. That's one of mine. Well, yes. Uh, I mean, it's it's Septon Sefton's, right? I mean, he's already said... He said in the first half that things are afire all over the continent and he says it again mm-hmm. uh, at the river mm-hmm. and I don't think it's I don't think it's I don't think it's that abnormal of a thing to just have happened so I guess I, I'm I'm the guy that just believes the gov- what the government tells you guess, <laughs> in this story <laughs> well and Dunk even says when he's riding through it the first
1: time I believe when he goes he says one spark and this will all go up like tender Tinder. yeah hmm Um so, you know, and that could be Germ just making a commentary on how even natural events can be politicized, right? We don't yeah. see any of that in today's world. Yep. Um and can I mean what's your different? other option? Bennis? So we got a couple, right? You got Bennis, he could have said it. But why? What's the
0: motive there? Just to like inflame eustace more make sure he's got his shield properly in place um
1: another one who is an interesting option is this wendell guy Hmm. in an attempt to kind of escalate tensions maybe get rowan killed or maybe at the very least distracted to the point that she doesn't get married in time um yeah, it's possible. The only reason I thought that is he's he's mentioned curiously right before, yes. right when they get to the water, right? Remember yeah. that? It's just a, yeah. like, he doesn't, Dunk doesn't notice anyone else in particular, but he notices Wendell. Yes. And uh, that's interesting.
0: My final yes, one. I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that passage. Keep going.
1: My final one is Rowan herself, which is why I questioned you a little before and even if she didn't even if she wasn't the one to light the match i wonder if she had someone go and do it for encouraged her encouraged someone yeah yeah and maybe this is a long shot but i think it might have been a bit of a long game to get as you mentioned long inch killed hmm. He, besides, there are the rumors flying out there about her that are getting in the way of her finding a good suitor. But another one is Longinch. He's he's scaring away, they mention, every suitor that comes her way, right? Because he he wants this. Um, And she does not like him at all. Uh, We talked about that last episode, and she gives him that when he says, you will marry me, as you mentioned in your summary. She says, my Lord Father never knew you as I do uh rather ominously um yes they can't that implies he's done some like shady shit right yeah what has he done um but i wonder if rowan meets duncan not only is she attracted to him which you pointed it out and i agree with you there is an actual obvious attraction that she has for him but she also sees it as an opportunity If anyone can get Longinch out of the way and not make it look like I killed him and make it look like I'm this terrible witch, like everyone already thinks, it's this dunk guy, right? Now, I can't start a fight. I couldn't do a trial over the water. The decree is already there. Its ownership is beyond debate. Um, Mm -hmm. Bennis' guilt is proven by witnesses. I don't see how they could really do a trial there. Mm -hmm. So to remove Longinch, you've got to give another reason.
0: Right, but maybe the this is fire, it. The fire hinges on Eustace accusing her of lighting it. Now I guess she would assume that that would happen,
1: because mm-hmm.
0: otherwise it'd just be his own fire. Then there'd be no crime, right? Or no no means for a trial. Yeah,
1: she would have to have. That's why like, it's kind of a long game. It's kind of a yeah. long way of
0: getting to it. But yeah, I mean, she could have. I suppose if he didn't come right out and accuse her, she could have like accused him, mm-hmm. and then he would have demanded a trial, and then same thing happens, and then they get this battle. So I guess, yeah. Or maybe she thought yeah. of the battle thing in the instant there. Oh,
1: wait! I could get Long Inch out of the way right now because right. if anyone—that's what I was Dunk, imagining. But if Dunk beats him, Dunk—if anyone can beat him, Dunk can beat him. So let's mm-hmm. do this thing. But anyways. I could maybe it's see something thought. Wrong.
0: I could see it. I mean, I really like her. I don't want to believe she'd do that. I one I am regardless of of whether she
1: burned the wood to do it or if she thought of it on the spot, I'm pretty sold on the fact that she demanded the trial to get long Inch killed.
0: No, I just mean burn the wood. Okay. I, I, I just mean I don't want to think that she would burn the wood. She would burn down a whole forest just for that. Yes. Fair that has consequences, Fair. man. It's huge consequences.
1: She brings up the consequence herself, like, the dangers yeah. of of uh, having the fire hop over lines and start burning her places and stuff like that. So
0: But using the fact that it happened to her advantage, totally. Yeah. 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 Uh, I did find the little passage. It is it is odd the way it's written. Um uh, this is regarding Wendell. Uh, one of the knights caught Dunk's eye. A squat bald keg of a man in mail and leather with an angry face and an ugly goiter on his neck. Mm-hmm. But that's all it says. It doesn't bring him up again or like, he frowned at any point or... To, like, there's nothing. It's just that he's there. It's yeah, weird. Yeah, and it's the only guy that they describe. Yeah, other than the septon and... yeah, which, right. which, I mean, a goiter does
1: kind of make him stand out a little bit stand out (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah. but yeah i suppose it's not too big of a deal but uh i did definitely want to get to the point that we both got to that uh that i think she was she definitely wanted to get lucas out of the way and
0: saw dunk as the means to doing that i agree i agree and i think i think it is interesting to think of wendell doing it too Mm mm-hmm as a means to elongate the timeline, if she's all of a sudden in a border war, she's not planning weddings, right? she's not entertaining suitors, and you know she had the plans, okay, this is my window this thirty days I'm gonna find somebody to marry. I'll just do it, I'll just do it, and then that window just gets erased by this little border war, yep, you know, maybe that it's clever from him or something that would be interesting,
1: yep. And then, she, and then that would be cooler. But then even he must cooler. have been swearing
0: under his breath when he saw two men. Yeah.
1: Then that would that would totally be awesome. I, I, I like that now. I like the Wendell thing. I'm going with it because I love the idea of her just like totally turning it back on him, and yeah. still coming out on top, even if temporarily.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, we know nothing about this guy, and we hate him just because has a goiter. <laughs> that doesn't seem very nice of us. He's one. I guess Septon Septon does say he's an awful human. You know, he says he's not a good dude, and he farts a lot, right? Yeah, but I mean... Which I fart a lot,
1: so... Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) He's messing with our girl, man. In the end, that's what it comes down to. He's messing with our girl.
0: I'm just not... You know, I really like her. I'm just not sure I should. (laughs) That's always how it is, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's like... I
1: think it was Brooke that helped me realize that the girls I'm attracted to, at least in literature, are the ones that could totally kick my butt. Could beat the crap out of me. And, uh, yeah. No yeah. oh, well. I mean, actually, in real life, itself. too, my wife could destroy me. Really? Oh, yeah. She's a tiny little thing, I mean, but she's feisty. Yeah, she's a tiny thing. She's feisty. She could.
0: Time's mm-hmm. really hot. But, anyways. I wasn't saying it. Uh, I'm. This'll sound really <laughs> abusive, but I could probably beat my wife's ass. <laughs> If it were to come down to it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm like double her weight. Like, it would be, you know what I mean? Oh. <laughs> as long as there weren't any sort of like, I don't know, uh, endurance tests to be had. Fight, <laughs> yeah, if she, just,
1: it, if she could just, she could just wear yeah, you out, uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Up, well, I,
1: I think my wife could kill me. Hmm. Um, what else do you want to talk about? I have a few things here, but sure, let's do it. I don't know. No the time. So, we already kind of talked about the royal decree, right? Like, do we need to hammer that home anymore? That despite all of this that happened in the story, like, it all goes to
0: naught in the end. Well. That's what I would say it looks like happened, but again, the, the reference that I saw on the wiki is that they're still around. So, if anything, it points back to the point we made, which is, nobody cares. What is it, the, the Jurassic Park thing? See, nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> Dennis Nedry, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nobody cares about Stand Fast and Cold Moat. Uh-huh. These are literally the only two people that care. But, it, and that's why I, I titled that thing
1: The Battle of Who Could Care Less. Um and I did that a little bit tongue-in-cheekly because in the end, it, it, these people do care, right? The the Those the people, small folk yeah. that that get their water back—it means the world to them. Yes. But in this grand scheme of ice and fire, it's nothing. Yeah. It's absolutely nothing. Yep. And uh,
0: really, only one life was lost through it all. Which is long-ish. quite literally, it ends up being nothing mm-hmm. for two reasons. The two people fighting end up union getting getting married mm-hmm. and uniting their claims, <laughs> and also it rains right after the battle means nothing, absolutely nothing. <laughs> it, but it does bring them together, I guess. It, it, has it that it way. got the long inch
1: out of the way, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So peace out. Yeah. Um. Let's see. What would have happened if Dunk if Roan was like screw it, I'm marrying this hedge knight. Do you think there had been any blowback or anything?
0: It'd have been blow something. Uh, <laughs> uh Yes. Yeah, there would have been. I you can't marry a commoner. I don't I don't I think that would have been really, really would Ares have frowned upon. Again, would Ares have done anything about it? I don't know. Probably not. But, like, Rowan would have probably, like, come down to them and chastised her. I don't know that it would have, like, resulted in her losing lands, but I think it would have been very frowned upon. P.S.
1: Come on, George. First you name the two Blackfire guys, Darren and Damon. And then you go and name, (laughs) you got Rowan Weber and Lord Rowan. Rowan. Like, come on.
0: This is turning into a problem. She should have married into the Rowan family. Rowan Rowan. Rowan,
1: Rowan, Rowan. Rowan, Rowan. <sighs> no. Stop. That might be all I
0: have, but you had some interesting notes. Is there anything yeah. you felt strongly about that you'd like to talk I about? I think the only thing we haven't really covered is the uh, the last one. Should Dunk have stayed at Coldmoat. Rowan offers for him to stay on as captain of the guard and get egg trained up. And it's kind of
1: similar to the offer that Maker gave. Dunk a little bit. Mm -hmm. Stay on. Be a part of my house.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is a little. Yeah, it's you're right. It's similar, but at least in this, she would he wouldn't be in the Targaryen backyard. Right. The point of not taking that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He'd still be hidden, but but you know he'd get proper training. I mean the the idea that Dunk, who has no idea how to fight, Mm -hmm. none, has Mm -hmm. no idea what he's doing. The idea that Dunk is training Egg how to do this is not really good. I think staying at Colmo would be a better choice for Egg. He could get proper training. You know, he's still in a back backwoodsy kind of area. Maybe he gets some of the lessons that he needs to get without being sure. named a dragon, right? They can still treat him like a more common person than a prince. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Why do you think Dunk doesn't? Pride. Yeah. And, and um frustration with with Rowan I mean why why didn't she come and visit him I still don't I I don't know why she wouldn't come visit him at least was it shame hurt by it I don't know
1: I don't know she knew that she had this attraction to him and she probably had an idea that Dunk reciprocated it and she went off and got married real quick I don't know
0: yeah it reminds me of that missionary friend of mine putting off his money problems by going on a of, off on a mission i told that story a few episodes ago agreed
1: yeah and i remember
0: well, like she's gonna have to deal with it at some point uh-huh seems like she should just do it yeah it definitely
1: humanizes her a little more
0: yeah. yeah
1: yeah but i think a lot of it was kind of in the moment type stuff that he was that uh he was kind of he was upset with her <laughs> yeah That just reminded me of a a really cool John Mayer song. It's off his new album. He says it's so emotional for him. He can't play it live because he breaks down crying. And it's called Never on the Day You Leave. And it talks about how, you know, you you, you end up regretting all these things and what could have been. Um, He says, never on the day you leave that you wonder what you still believe in. And you can't remember why you say goodbye. You'll hear an old familiar sound and hope it's her when you turn around, but never, never on the day you leave.
0: I think I need to read that because I didn't get it.
1: Saying that uh, when you're in the moment and you're upset and you leave a
0: relationship,
1: none of that, the regret hasn't set in. The regret oh, comes after,
0: right? I see. You never, you never get it when you need it. Yep. If you had it in the moment, you wouldn't have left in the first place. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I see. I get you. Uh, All right, are we ready to sign off then, I guess? Almost. You got something else? No.
1: Oh. (laughs) I don't. I've just got to get to my sign-off quote. This is Matt signing off and just ready to admit that like uh, Wendell and Septon Sefton, I'm cursed with excess wind myself. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, this is Scad signing off just reminding you that while it's okay for Dunk in a fictional world to grab a woman by the braid and make out with her maybe hold back in real life yeah yeah thank you for that thanks, wise Kalizar. counsel yep. <laughs> yeah thanks Kalizar. Good night, everyone
1: no, it's never on the day you leave that you wonder what you still believe in, and you can't remember why you said goodbye. You'll hear an old familiar sound, and hope it's her when you turn around, but never, never on the day you leave. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> We do a podcast on a song of ice and fire. (laughs) All right, Kalasar, we got a lot of credits to get through tonight. It's funny sometimes we don't use any songs, sometimes we use the whole list like this. First, we had uh, "My Stupid Mouth" by John Mayer. That's from him, his album, his debut album, "Room for Squares." We next had "The Wrong Side" by the French Kicks from their album "One Time Bells." Next, "Hero." by Nas from his untitled album. Uh, Then we had The Battle of Who Could Care Less by Ben Folds Five. That's from their album, Whatever and Ever, Amen. Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire is from Stormfront. We had a little uh, It Must Have Been Love by Roxette. Her album's called Tourism. And then finally, Never on the Day You Leave, that's by John Mayer from his album, The Search for Everything. That's his most recent one. Anyways, we love you guys. Stay savage, and we'll catch you next time.